0: Welcome to the Call to Action Podcast, where we bring you incredible people and even more incredible stories with discussions and topics about what it takes to sacrifice everything to overcome hardships and failures to achieve success. Our guests heard the call. Now, it's your turn.
1: So there I was sitting in Richmond, Virginia, getting advice from this legendary designer. And one of the first things he told me was, you have to fire all of your clients, and I was like, Hold on, I'll do whatever you straight. say, except <laughs> where am I gonna really? be in any income? Exactly. So he was like, You're not making enough money from those clients to make ends meet. And he had me crunch my numbers, and I was actually making less than three dollars an hour. Ouch! Ouch.
0: He is a brand strategist, an amazing award-winning designer, an expert speaker, and an expert in user experience. He is the chief operating officer of The Future, an educational platform where creative professionals learn business principles, and the design creative director at Blind, a brand strategy design consultancy. Nike, EA, Google, Snapchat, Xbox, Sony, Riot Games, Honda, NFL, MLB, Audi, DreamWorks, Paramount Pictures, Wells Fargo, AMC, TBS, the Olympic US team. I'll ask you about that in a sec. Uh, Leica and Hyatt are just a few of their clients. It's no wonder why he's a top social media influencer, co-host of a major YouTube channel, and father of the year, because aside from his proven leadership, major successes, And pissing creative excellence day in and day out, the dude from Big Lebowski, Gandalf, (laughs) Abraham Lincoln, nor James Harden have shit on this glorious beard. Please welcome our guest to the show, Mr. Ben Burns.
1: Wow, I want to meet this guy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Welcome,
0: man. Thank you. Welcome. Cheers. Hey, this one's to (laughs) you.
1: But seriously,
0: uh, I'm calling you out, Beardaholics.com. That hundred top beards article. Needs to be uh, readjusted because <laughs> not only is it good for SEO, but uh, that's a top 10 beard of all time. So just I want to that bring back there.
1: like this this new kind of ASMR where I'm just rubbing my beard on the microphone, you know?
0: Here we go. Bro, this is the weirdest thing. Last night we were working late, you know, prepping for this. And uh, he, I didn't even know what ASMR was until he showed me. <laughs>
3: And I showed him. I mean, and was, I was, was thinking. Okay,
0: I was thinking about that exact same thing. Just what would his beard sound like on that? I, I'm not even kidding you. That is the weirdest thing. Wow. We'll do a separate clip. Yeah, of we you, and we can just it can, 20 okay. minutes. Separate clip. He can do it now, right? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez you're, Louise, you're, you're man. <laughs> well, before we get started, it's a unique way to do this, but I think it's pretty fitting. Uh, Want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Hamilton Family Brewery, man. This is uh, quite a beautiful, beautiful thing here because not only uh, do we support and love the story behind Hamilton, um, Josh and Kristen, are it's an incredible story which you guys were able to do, and uh, Sean and his buddy, who's a head sales and distribution guy Mm -hmm. up there, and his buddy Tyler came down all the way from Rancho to drop these bad boys off, all this gear. Truly amazing thing, but our guest, Mr. Ben Burns, designed and executed with his team at The Future. This beautiful can, a whole rebrand, the logo, everything that had to do with the major facelift on this company, and man, did they nail it. So uh, we just wanna thank you guys from the bottom of our heart. Mr. Ben Burns, I hope this is a little special thing This for is you awesome.
1: Too. I walked in and, and you have this huge spread of Hamilton gear on the table. <laughs> like, for the listeners, there's stickers everywhere. There's Some of those are for you too, by the way. They, they got a hat, and it was really cool walking in here to see this. Not often do you get to see your design some, somewhere physical, right? And exactly. it's so cool to just like see it everywhere, especially here. Just totally surprised. Thank you. And it's not quite
0: on the store shelf yet, as I'm uh, aware. Not quite yet. It's in a couple of bevmos and things like that. So guys, keep out. Keep an eye out for them, and uh, I'm sure we'll keep you updated on how the progress is coming along there. So. Um, well man, before but yeah, cheers to them again, man. Why not? Just another reason to take a <laughs> sip. Check
3: out these gorgeous cans,
0: yeah. Um, real quick before we jump into your story, it's incredible. Yes. All the twists and turns, we're gonna dive in real deep, but we're gonna put you through the brain freeze frenzy. Okay. Brain freeze frenzy. It's a prefrontal cortex warm-up like you've never experienced. <laughs> so random questions, wild array, rapid fire. Are you ready? I know, but go for it. <laughs> <laughs> your dad brain is going to start hurting <laughs> her in a second. <laughs> what is one positive thing you can say about yourself
1: today? Oh man, uh, I figure stuff out. Love it. Yeah. Tell Rabbit. us about your morning routine. Uh, waking up is important. So that's the first thing. And then everything else differs every single day. So there's, I don't have a routine. <laughs> that's okay. safe to say. It's my man.
0: Yeah, very yeah. similar here. So I did some research, Anya, uh, and you are prone to running, <laughs> right? You, that's, your, that's your choice. That's something yep. you're drawn to. Yep. Do you still do that? Is that part of your daily routine or three four days a week? What does your workout funny. routine look like?
1: I, habits are really tough for me to stick to. I'm more of like a, like a mission-oriented guy. It's like, yes, you I want to meet a goal. And then once I'm done with that, I kind of move on. Mm. So, running is something that I actually have to think about all the time. And I still do it like many times a week, but it's one of those things that just doesn't come naturally. It's like, okay, I just got to put my shoes on, get out the door, and so go. So, it's
0: difficult, but it yeah. pushes you to challenge yourself to do that just yep. because of that one simple factor is that it's right. difficult.
1: And this year, I've ran more than any other year. And it's simply because I put a goal at the beginning of the year to just do 12. Five Ks. So well, five Ks. I have one five K per month that I'm like, I just gotta prep for. And that kind of satisfies the the mission. That's solid. Where do you run? Just outside. Oh yeah. (laughs) Around the neighborhood.
3: (laughs) Okay, man. This is just continuing on. What's the last thing in your search browser?
1: Honestly, it's probably looking up the HTML syntax for a link. For some reason, I cannot remember the A-H-Ref, and whenever I'm coding, I have to look that one thing up. Yep. I to code everything else, but just that one thing. This guy's technical. Yeah, <laughs> real technical,
0: and we love that. What's the most expensive logo you've sold to date?
1: A quarter million dollars. Yeah. That's, that's pretty decent. <laughs> yeah, it's up there. Favorite meal of the day? Dinner, by far. Okay.
0: If you could go back in history and get drunk or high with anyone, who would it be and why?
1: Hands down, Teddy Roosevelt. He's a personal oh, hero, hero of mine. Too. I just like reading. I have all of his, all of his letters um, that he wrote to his family. He just seems like an amazing person. Um, and the adventures that he had. Did you it's read that incredible. book?
0: Incredible. The, uh, the one about his travels down to Brazil in the, the River of Doubt, it's called? Yes. How fascinating was that?
1: And uh, didn't his son... Like yes. die on yes. that trip, and he no, not on, I don't believe
0: on the trip, but shortly afterward, I believe uh, he had a he got malaria. Yeah, he almost yeah. died. Oh, wow. uh, they have a very very phenomenal series on uh, History Channel as well. It's it you have to watch it, man. Wow. Or was it yeah History or one of those, but Geographic. But mm-hmm. Yeah, you. I
1: just I love that guy. Have it's you guys funny. been to his home on the East Coast? No. Have you? Have you? When I was young.
3: Yeah. They that's used to cool. Do tours. I don't know if they still do this thing, if it's a thing at all. Great guest. So what's your spirit animal? If you had to choose one.
1: Oh my God, that's a tough one. But it's a good one. It is a good one. Take your time. But hurry up. I, I don't know. It's it's either a lion or a sloth. Those are the two things that like popped into my head. <laughs> okay. <Bert. laughs> so if a lion mated with the sloth on one of his yeah, off days, yeah, yeah. that would I, be you?
0: What, what, what's the reasoning behind that? What do you, why do you think that?
1: I, I honestly think that like with the sloth, they're slow moving, but they, they get what they need to go. And um, I think that there's power in laziness. Yes. Because lazy yeah. people get stuff done. Normally, quicker than people who aren't lazy because they don't want to be working. We'll we'll
0: re-parallel into this. So. I think there's something behind <laughs> this, uh, and we have a section. Yeah. But I yeah. think that's it's. I don't think it's necessary being lazy. It might have something to be very patient. Mm,
1: it's very very
3: much an engineering mindset. You know, mm. we say you know la- laziness is
1: virtue. It's one of the keys. Interesting. That's cool. I like that. So, and then Lion, you know, it's just, I love the sense of adventure, trying new things. Absolutely. Putting myself out there. It's an so.
0: apex predator as well. So yeah. when it needs to, it kills. Is
1: that That's a
3: right. 5K day?
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it's Lay everyday. down the <laughs> slot Yeah, pick heck up yeah. the Lion mantle. Yeah. Put it, put it to sleep for a bit.
1: <laughs> What's your favorite app? Probably Notion. I, I run my life through Notion. So it's a kind of like a cross between Trello and... Wikipedia okay I guess so it stores everything and tracks progress on a project and so you all publish
3: that. all this online through the notion and, and give people pretty sweet websites with up-to-date
1: <laughs> calendars and all that uh, kind of it's it's what we use to manage our projects so oh you guys I, use this yeah yeah and then I use it for my personal life too right so everything's routed through there so this is a company tool kind of yeah it's both oh amazing yeah so it's kind of like if you took Wikipedia and Trello and Google Docs and mushed them all up into one thing.
3: One of my good friends up the street, he uses Notion, and he gave me like his hiking schedule. So we do hikes, you know, uh, just kind of. Oh, randomly. cool! Yeah, so he published like, it. He does, and, yeah. And I was like, man, this looks really nice. Like, you did such a good job. And I thought he just slapped something together in React, React Native, whatever. <laughs> else. Uh, but then he told me it was Notion.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love it. We use f- literally for everything. Wow yeah
3: we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit later uh what's your favorite body part on the opposite sex turning gears a little bit it's random just personality rapifying. what yeah. <laughs> it's a it's trap a, that, that's a safe safe answer
0: next 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 all right this one's good too um what's the last thing that you're glad that no one saw
1: oh so, man i was uh, i was carrying the trash out the other day and i totally <laughs> fell busted my ass did the trash just, everywhere yeah the trash bag broke open glass was everywhere and it was Ooh. like this tupperware lid that for some reason was on my back patio i stepped on that thing and just whoo, no one saw it it was pitch black your daughter dirt. set you up yep that was it. oh yeah she knew mm-hmm. you, you didn't let her have
0: something that she wanted and uh, she said i'm gonna get you back dead
1: she is that smart well you're alive and you're here today what was <laughs> your first car Oh man, Pontiac Grand Prix. Ooh, oh, that's a good car. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I never actually drove it though. My mom wrecked it on my 16th birthday. <laughs> I had it. I bought it. Thanks, I, mom. I saved up every penny that I had for years and bought it and it was sitting in the driveway and she was on the way to pick me up from work on my 16th birthday with oh, the car. Oh my goodness. And totaled it. Isn't that crazy? I think oh like that's goodness. a
3: 180 from the usual. It's like, <laughs> I, I bought the car on my 16th. I wrecked it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a cool car. What color? Red. Oh, yeah.
1: Ooh. Yep.
0: Oh, well, that goes in line with the lion, so. All right. <laughs> what's the most annoying habit a coworker or family member has? And you don't have to name names, but the call to action is all about that therapy life, bro. So, you know, yeah. Christo or Matthew <clears throat> so and Do they do something a little annoying? <laughs> um, they like, okay, bite so their nails? Do they
1: pick their nose? <sighs> Matthew is Matthew and Scene is kind of my counterpart at the at the future. He's the chief content officer, and he's just so fucking good at everything that it's just like ah, he drives me to be better, which is great. But of it's just one of those like, man, yeah, why are you I so know what good? You mean. I mean, this
0: guy's that for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He pushes me a lot. Sometimes you're like, man, you know, but it, it's always. A- It's better to have them on your team than not. Right. Exactly. All right.
3: Way to call their ass out.
0: (laughs) Gotcha. You could be an
3: inanimate object
0: for a day.
1: What would it be and why? Inanimate object. I'm going to say a plane just to, just for the experience of like getting to go a whole bunch of places in a single day. Nice. That'd be cool. That's a great response. Nice.
0: Do you have a creative way of handling a foreign sales call like do you uh, oh, man. ruffle paper? Do you pretend like you're having sex? Do you fart in the phone? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I have my you, tricks, but uh, do you have? What a do you mean like po- a foreign? Sales I'm trying call. to be like, a little bit like- politically correct, but you know, you get at least we do. We get a bunch of these um, hmm, more East countries that call you. Oh, I see. Yeah, I see. With I, I pretending just pretending to be Victor or Rick <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs>
1: I literally don't answer numbers I don't know. Good so for you. That's, oh, that's that. the best one. Yeah. But the worst is when they leave messages, and it's the automated things. Yeah, they're like, hey, man. bro, I have this $10,000 for uh, you. Uh, if you want to just uh, text me your social, I'll, I'll have it wired what? over. And it's like, no, <laughs> who falls <laughs> for this? Well, yeah, <laughs> hopefully there everybody. there are. There are I know.
0: people. Yeah. That's the sad thing. Oh.
3: All right, moving on. If coffee wasn't a legal drug, what would its
1: underground name be? man, I don't know, maybe just J for Java. I don't, I don't know, trying to put you on the spot. This yeah, is that's this why <laughs> the brain freeze frenzy, baby.
0: All right, we're keep moving. Meanest social media comment you've read?
1: Oh man, and you yeah. gotta pull it up right now. <laughs> I, I actually probably could, I have my phone on airplane mode, but um, or craziest DM. With, so, I, I got a both. message the other day that somebody's using my photos on a dating website.
0: Heck yeah, you're a good looking so I was like, dude, man.
1: Honored, but also really concerned about my reputation because this guy was kind of like Whoa. a sleaze bag to these chicks. I mean, but wouldn't you with that face, bro? <laughs> <laughs> I know I would. It's just like I was just like, oh my god, this is this is horrible. So I, you what know, do you do? he's probably
0: pretty successful on there then if he's keeping that up.
1: My goodness. Well, I reached out. I had them cancel the accounts, but it's like, man, I. I I never thought that that would be happening. It's just crazy.
0: All right. uh, If you could call yourself 10 years ago, what advice would you give yourself? And secondly, if you could call yourself 10 years in the future, what would you want to ask yourself?
2: Hmm.
1: 10 years ago, I probably would have made the jump. I would would give myself the advice of making the jump into entrepreneurship sooner. Um, Yeah. I was scared for so long and... Waited for so long to kind of pursue what I wanted to pursue that I feel like I missed out on some really good years that I could have had So that's the advice that I would have given myself The the question I want to answer in the future is like What's the right call because right now? There's there's so much potential for the future Absolutely. and for everything else. It's like figuring out what to focus on right now is What we're struggling with and Absolutely. Uh, that's what I, w- I would say like look what what should we focus on? We'll What's dive right into call?
0: those things, those points. Actually, uh, pretty deep here, Lynn Just a little cool. bit. We're we're wrapping up through this, but uh, we appreciate your patience going through this craziness.
3: If the future could only choose one platform to post all its content on, and the consequences for not following those rules would be death penalty by electric chair, <laughs> uh, what would it be and why? Which platform?
1: Oh, YouTube. Easy. YouTube. Okay. Yeah, it's like easy. A, that was yeah. Okay. Easy. It's it's a it's our second language. Speaking the YouTube. Yeah. absolutely. Algorithm. If
0: you were craving cereal right now, right this second, Golden one gram,
1: Grams. Which one? Golden Grams.
0: Okay, but Hands but down. there's a second part. Oh. You went to the fridge and you were out of milk. Substitute liquid. Go. Oh
1: my god, coffee.
0: <laughs> oh my god, that's <laughs> awesome. Easy. A little coffee. crack cocaine in yeah. the morning. Heck yeah. yeah. Sugar right. and
1: caffeine. Come on. All right. We'll, we'll have that ready for you.
3: On, <laughs> for round two. Mine would be
0: cinnamon toast crunch and coffee. <laughs>
1: oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. If you had to add one fashion item to your wardrobe what would you choose fanny pack or satchel yep
1: well fanny packs are trending right now aren't they so probably that i guess but neither <laughs> You've got but you have one. to i, I yeah. said fanny pack
0: all right fanny pack it's it is it, yeah. me too actually i'm wearing one now if you could conceal carry here in california what would you choose a glock Sig Sauer, or kimber sidearm and what caliber
1: mm, great question probably a glock Glock, really? 45, yeah. You
0: like the Glock? I love Glocks. We'll get into, I mean, I'm sure you have your reasons why, but yeah. uh, for me, I grew up in Arizona, so we went shooting, hunting, all that. My my best friend's in the military. I mm-hmm. uh, got some background, not myself, but my family has a lot of background in the military. And man, that thing with the plastic, you know, body is in the in the metal slide. For me, it's a little sloppy. I mean, it's definitely my shot. I'm not a great shot, guys, <laughs> but uh, I I really love the Kimber, but that's, so 45. Kimbers are
1: beautiful, right? Yes, they are. I carried They're a Kimber fancy. for a while. I have buddies who carry Kimbers and they had some malfunctions, so I just don't mm. trust them Gotcha. much. Gotcha.
3: Okay. You travel a lot more now being an in-demand expert speaker. What's the worst airplane or airport moment?
1: Okay. So this, wasn't, this had nothing to do with speaking. Um, I was actually flying back from a fishing trip a couple of years ago. We were on the runway taxiing. We were about to take off. You know, that moment where the plane is just like, And then you go. Yeah. Well, in that moment, the entire plane shut down. Like lights off, no interior lights. That's comforting. No engine noises. It just gone. And so I was like, "Oh my god!" Thirty seconds later, and this would have been like a plane crash. But thankfully, United gave me a fifty dollars credit, so we're all fine.
0: Oh, sick! That's what (laughs) that's what your life's worth. Fifty bucks. Good for them, man.
3: You're here today to tell another story. That's right. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Favorite brand of marker or pencil, and when the heck are you coming out with your own? Oh, that's a great question.
1: Um, really, really enjoy the Pilot G2. Me too. But I've been carrying the Fisher Space Pen now for a couple of oh, weeks. whip it out. Show it to the oh, camera. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's guest. a solid choice. This is yeah, cool. That that looks like be... a yeah. dude. That looks like a 50-cal round. Right? So I like the brass, but... You know, expanded. Oh man, it's perfect. Classy. Yeah. yeah. So this They're has been around man. since the '70s. It's got like a pressurized ink. And that's what? Okay. Chamber. Yeah. Here.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's weighted. Yeah, it's cool. It's All amazing. right, pass it around when you're done. I gotta feel this too. Ooh.
3: <laughs> you could try and smoke it.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not here. Not here. All right. Uh, go ahead, sir. This
3: is a great question. Okay, take your time. And it's his. If, if needed, uh, what's the most counterintuitive creative
1: advice you could give someone? I got to think about this one. This is really
0: like the best ideas come from sitting on the toilet or, you know, standing upside down on your head while drawing creates the
1: best logos. No, I got it. The best, the, the, the most counterintuitive advice is uh, this is bad advice, right? Give we, it to me. We're we giving bad advice because the, the worst advice you could give somebody about being creative is like, wait until it's perfect mm. until, before putting it out. That's something I struggle with on a daily basis. It's like, I'm so, you know, I, I feed on those positive comments and those negative comments kind of weigh on me. So it's really hard for me to put things out there into the world that I create on a daily basis because it's not perfect yet. And so the worst thing you can say to people is like, wait until it's perfect before you send it out. And I, you know, believe hundred percent in the opposite. It's like, get it done, then put it out yeah, and yeah. then do it again.
0: Interesting. That's yeah, ridiculous.
3: surely. So it sounds counterintuitive, although it's the right. Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: So just like athletes go back in the film room and study a previous match, have you gone back to study a logo and realize you just completely bombed it?
1: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> All the time. Yeah. 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 Every time, you know, every year that goes by, the previous year's work looks horrible. So, <laughs> <True>. but that's <laughs> well, like, man, we're comp- hyper, hyper I mean, but this is, where, where
3: do you stand here? This, this, yeah, this Still is a sharp stand dude, behind that thing, dude. That thing is
1: crushed this. this I got The say. Hamilton Project is probably my favorite work that I've ever had uh, wow. to do. Is it because, because you have
0: you know unlimited beer on tap for life now, <laughs> or on top no, of no, being it, the coolest can I've ever seen in my life?
1: I, I'm just super proud of the of the aesthetics, yeah. and, and that's not something that I can say about a lot of my work, where it's like. This is something I like. I, I wear. I wear the T-shirt. I wear the hat, and you know all the other stuff that I've done in the past. I've, I've found little things to like pick at, and like ah, it's not that great, so I'm right. just not going to put it out there. And, but this is just I'm in love with it.
0: And man, I got to say too. I'll let you. Sorry for interrupting you, but uh, man, this logo I got to say uh, is phenomenal, and I love the last minute addition to the home just. Sometimes the smallest <laughs> tweaks oh, yeah. give the most yeah. impression uh, and say the loudest thing. So when you guys made the, the base of this, and I'll, I'll post a picture up for the YouTube channel, the base of this hop is the house that they not only, for me, this is what I got from the story, that he had to give up to create this, yeah. but also the home that he was creating. Mm-hmm. So what was growing out of that you know, the double on tundra there is that, you know, things while you have to sacrifice, uh, and sometimes you have to sacrifice everything on the line to create something, man, uh, it can, it can grow into something much, much bigger than you ever thought it could. So phenomenal job. Yeah, and these like these
3: cans really pop out on a shelf. I mean, <laughs> they you know, do. I,
0: I would gravitate towards these in a heartbeat. I think that the colors are just so neat. You don't see them in beer cans. I'm salivating looking at it. Yeah. So I'll have another I love sip. it. Yeah.
3: yeah <laughs> <best> <laughs> All right. Quick, quick, quick. Favorite Spotify music playlist and podcast other than call to action,
1: of course. Okay. I don't use Spotify. Nah. <laughs> All right. However... <laughs> I use Next. Apple Music and uh, I, I tend to gravitate towards like the focus stuff. Okay. I listen to music while I'm sprinting and that's, it's just a great playlist. Awesome. Do you really ASMR subtle? while sprinting or working? No, I've okay. never, can't stand that stuff. Except for the beard. I'm going to bring yeah. it. Yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give us another one. <laughs> All right,
0: Mr. Ben Burns, last question. Are you ready? I'm ready. You are a user experience expert. Describe the color yellow to someone who is blind.
1: Hmm. That's a great question. I have no idea how user experience plays into that at all. But Well, <laughs> I'll
0: tell you, because someone who is blind experiences something very different mm, okay. from someone that can actually get the full spectrum from the visual, smell, mm-hmm. hearing, taste a whole sensory is, is cut off for them. So, okay. I mean, not cut off per se, but they don't get the full spectrum of what we do. So we don't, they don't experience it the same as we do. That's how I would okay. justify it. So I got it. The I yellow it. smiley face ball, it's our desk jockey.
1: So if somebody was blind, the way that I would describe the color yellow to them is if you're standing outside on a sunny day and you feel the warmth mm-hmm. on your skin, but at the same time, it's almost, you know, you feel the cool breeze. It's that combination because it's not just warmth, it's almost like a bright warmth. Right. So it's that feeling of the sun on your skin. Absolutely. Very descriptive.
0: Congratulations,
1: my man. You made it through. Yeah, you're in. God, that was tough. The brain freeze frenzy. Yeah, see you later. (laughs) It only gets harder.
0: (laughs) He's over it. (laughs) That was too random for him. No, thanks, man. Appreciate it. So awesome, man. We're going to jump into your life story uh, and get to kind of where you are now. Can you give us, uh, paint the full picture for us, kind of where everything started? you know, what was the home life like, uh, you know, were your parents, you guys have a close relationship. What were you into as a young man, etc.?
1: Sure. Yeah. So we're going all the way back, all the um, way back, throwing it back, baby. Sure. Grew Throw up in Kalamazoo, back. Michigan. Um, I'm one of three boys in the family, so I've got two Ooh. younger brothers. So, you know, we're all bruisers. We yeah. fought all the time <laughs> growing up, but you know, we're best friends and, uh, was close with the parents. As a kid, I freaking loved reading and drawing and Legos. And um, my mom was really into pushing us into like creativity, mostly just to keep us occupied so we didn't hurt each other. But was she she (laughs) creative herself? I think she's a creative person, but uh, she's a nurse, so you got to be creative there. Yeah, yeah. But she was always pushing us like down in the basement to go color or something. Right. Um, So I think that kind of led to a creative career. But uh, moved from Kalamazoo, Michigan, to uh, Hilton Head, South Carolina, in eighth grade. So that was a big transition mm. for me personally, just because you know it's a totally new atmosphere, it's a totally new culture, going from Michigan to the to the deep South. So uh, uh, right. starting high school down there was, was almost like starting fresh. I had to new learn new like traditions and new mannerisms and stuff like that, and. Um, that was that was definitely a journey. Wow, man! I want to pause here, just to see if you guys have any questions? Because I know, like, with these life stories things, I can I can ramble on. So you just, bro, let
3: know. did you move right into high school? Were you so? Were you like freshman? Yeah. Okay, we had done that similar similarly here in California. What was that like? Because you know, you kind of like leave all your your uh, your known friends behind, you know, mm-hmm. to the unknown.
0: Yeah, yeah. If you ramble on, brother. There's no. <laughs> We'll get to what we need to. No okay. worries, man.
1: Yeah, so we moved the summer of eighth grade. So the oh, next yeah. school year was literally freshman year of high school. Wow. So it's just wow. kind of like a that's tough. super shocking that's
0: tough man because you're not high school is like uh-oh high school like as a freshman mm-hmm. i mean i don't know were you a, were you a tall and, and stout dude yeah and too yeah. okay so that played a little bit into yep. your advantage i was a scrawny little bastard <laughs> i was under 100 pounds i was like five foot three i didn't know what the hell i was doing i couldn't imagine like switching my life with no base at least you had your brothers i guess yeah, yeah. but man i, I are they I think also taller i would have struggled
1: So one is like taller than I am and probably 140 pounds. So he's like stick thin when we're together. People don't know that we're brothers.
3: (laughs) That's how it always is. The younger, taller, more handsome brother. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You must have eaten your Wheaties. (laughs) I have one of those as well. Yeah.
1: So, um, but yeah, high school was, it, it was a shock culturally because, um, you know, when you move to the down South, there's all these issues. There's all these like all this kind of cultural baggage that you don't expect coming from the Midwest. I mean, I had black guys that I called uncle. I just didn't tell a difference. And moving down South, it was like all of a sudden I was aware of racism and I was aware of like, you know, going to public school in South Carolina, there was like stuff going on that was not the greatest in terms of cultural sensitivity and stuff uh, you
0: know sheets on their head type stuff or yep
1: yep so it was it was was just kind of eye-opening so I spent my freshman year just kind of like flying under the radar and trying to just make as little noise as possible interesting
0: you had to be creative yeah (laughs) adapt did you guys have any family rituals that kind of helped seed the foundation to like stay you know safe or in your mind safe that you drawn to in those kind of sticky situations if you will if you know you went to school and you had some I'm beef with really. somebody did you like know that Friday nights we had pizza night with the family <laughs> and we just reconnected and or was it just
1: no I mean I had, a, I had a I had a great high school kind of family experience there was cool. like the normal conflict right. with dad and everything but I knew that the family was always there for me and was I was an had integral part of your brothers. life as well oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah what did what did he do from day one <laughs> for sure. What did he do? Uh, so he's he's a nurse as well. He's a nurse. Is that oh. how they met? No, no, it's no. funny. My mom didn't become a nurse until we were almost out of the house. And wow. so she was kind of a stay-at-home mom throughout that. So she was like the rock of the family. And then uh, most mothers are actually, yeah. you know. Yeah. So that was it.
0: So did you play any sports?
1: Oh man, no. <laughs>
0: no. Did were you a creative Young man as well, but did you start yeah. drawing and
1: I was super into sketching when I was in uh, sketching what? Star cartoons? Wars mostly. Heck yeah. Star man. Wars. Calvin and Hobbes a little bit, right? Because okay. I like to I like to mimic the style there and yeah. I was super into that. But um, you know, episode one was coming out and I was a huge yeah, fan. Man. Even though looking back it's kind of a horrible movie, but <laughs> I was like, Oh my god. So I, I have sketchbooks full of these like Star Wars characters. And you still have my, them? Oh yeah. Yeah, you don't throw those away. Yeah, of course not. Did you throw yours away?
3: <laughs> they get lost in moves. Oh no. I have some. It's a tragedy. Yeah, I have some.
0: But from an innocent perspective, those movies are you know, awesome yeah. at that age. But you look back and, I mean, there's a lot of the movies from Disney, I look back and I'm like, wow, they got away with, uh, with that? Yeah, oh <laughs> my know? God,
1: All Dogs Go to Heaven? <laughs> If all you look back at that, there's like strippers and cigars and oh all sorts of God. stuff in that. It's the best. I, I, that's why I watch them now. <laughs> it's I mean, a movie for adults. I mean.
0: So you go through high school. Uh, where did you end up for
1: college? So first I went to Clemson. And Clemson is a, is a school in South Carolina. It's, it's a pretty big school. Yep. It's a great then school. Then I decided I didn't like Clemson. So I transferred for a girl. But uh, I transferred. That's kind of transfer. Yeah.
0: Best and worst.
1: <laughs> so I transferred to our rivals, uh, USC, which is in South Carolina. It's the real USC, not the okay. University okay. of Southern Carolina. Shots fired. Shots fired. I didn't go there, over but here. For all my buddies out there, shots fired. <laughs> go Gamecocks. But uh, yeah, so I transferred over there. Um, it, was, it was mostly for a girl. But honestly, like Clemson's creative program, I, I signed up for this graphic arts thing. And they spent more time talking about printing presses than they did the actual creative process. So I was like, I'm just not drawn to that. And you know, my girlfriend was going to USC anyway, so that's that's what happened there.
0: See ya. Uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> so how did that? Uh, how did you finish school there? Mm-hmm. at USC. Yep. Um, what what did the first job after that look like? So, did you go right into the digital
1: kind you know, of creative world or? Yeah, kind of. So, basically, in my junior year, I had bounced around within USC's many creative departments. I actually didn't know design was a career, to be honest. In those days, I blame the public system, the public education system in in uh, South Carolina, but I didn't know graphic design existed as a career. So, I bounced around in at USC between like journalism and media arts and advertising. And I, I literally switched my major five or six times in those, in those two years. And uh, every, every, t- every time I switched, I always was drawn more towards the design side. Like I was creating things in Photoshop or creating things in Illustrator when the professors were asking me to write things. And I would always have these beautiful presentations um, instead of focusing on the actual headline and tagline that the advertising professor wanted. Hmm. So somehow, somewhere along the line, I, I discovered this internship at a company called Post No Bills. And they're a creative agency in Columbia, South Carolina. And uh, so my junior year, I, I applied for this, this internship, showed up to the interview in a suit and tie, because I had no <laughs> idea what I was doing. Because you're super special. Yeah, exactly. And the, you know, I walked in and I realized I had made a huge mistake because everybody's oh, wearing no. t-shirts and jeans and stuff like that. And I
0: just didn't get totally the memo. Yeah. Well, he did get the memo today. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're all coordinating. We're all coordinating. <laughs> Black so shirts. We look good. <laughs> <laughs> we look real good. So you um, show up with this. So suit show and tie. show up. Yeah. I have my resume
1: little... printed out. You know, I've got my hair gelled. Nice. Because I had hair those days. But uh, I sit down across from this creative director and this woman, you know, she was in her 40s, kind of like hippie, she went to Ringling School of Design, and she was the creative director for the whole business. Mm. And she was like, okay, well, let me see your portfolio. And I said, what's that? <laughs> I had no idea what a oh, portfolio was. No. And I, I, I read the internship description and said it was for design, but I didn't fully understand what that meant. Right. So, you know, she was like, okay, well, I guess we can just kind of talk and go through the rest of the interview but I could tell right from there I was just right. like this is not gonna happen well it turns out for some reason I made an impression on her and she was like in you know put together some some of your work I know you said you've, you've done some assignments for school if you can bring those in tomorrow and just so that I can have something to look at that that'd be fantastic so I was like cool but stayed up all night did all new projects and came in with an entire portfolio printed and ready to be wow. reviewed. Wow! In one night. In one. Yeah, night. This guy works, and I got the job. So good for you, man! Starting in junior year, I was working full time at a creative agency as an intern, but I was doing kind of work during the day, school at night, that kind of thing.
0: I think this is really an interesting point here because, you know, a lot of people think that. Having all of your T's crossed, your I's dotted, and being perfect. This goes to that point you made earlier. Mm -hmm. Everything has to be perfect to achieve the outcome. You're very much a person that sees a goal. You're mission-oriented, and you get there, and then you readapt, readjust, and reset your goal. And uh, that just goes to show that you don't need to be perfect. You can mess up and still succeed. It's just... Getting your foot in the door, presenting your best self, and sometimes, most of the time, that is good enough.
1: Yeah, yeah, it really is. It really is. What are your thoughts on "fake it till you make it"?
0: I hate the phrase,
3: but it's absolutely true. It's so common these years. You know, people yeah. people talk about this phrase often, uh, but but the mechanism itself.
1: Yeah, I you know, I, as many times as I've, as I've like interviewed experts and I've talked to people who know what they're doing the more i realize that like not everybody has everything squared away man you know not everybody most even don't. people who say that they're expert in things like part of my bio is an expert in user experience man i don't think that you can claim that not really right and it's like i, I, I think sh- you can but the rest <laughs> of us not so much you're doing pretty well <laughs> yeah, today you're doing
0: pretty well man i guess man. that counts as user experience. <laughs> you know definitely but you're a humble guy i see your point and you're right uh there's always room for improvement. I think right. that's your point, right? right? There's always room for improvement.
1: So yeah, I don't like the phrase because there. I don't think that faking it is is a great term for what it's you know meant for. Yeah. Um, I think it's more just keep putting yourself out there, and if you're looking to become an expert in a certain sphere, claim that expert claim the expertise first, and then seek to improve it. That comes from uh, Blair Ends Win Without Pitching. It's a great book.
3: Yeah. Solid. Yeah.
0: So, you're at this design agency. Things are going well. You graduate college. Mm-hmm. You get promoted to a senior position in yep. this agency, and this is where you decide at some point. Maybe you you know you can fill in the cracks here, but uh, at some point you decide to take a sabbatical. Yeah. You move <laughs> states, and you become a police officer. What? Yep. Was there something about that design position that you were like, man, screw this, I'm <laughs> out? Or was there a life-changing event that happened that you felt a calling to something else, a new mission,
1: if you will? It was kind of a combination of things. Like, I had just started freelancing, so I saw that there was, like, potential for creativity outside of the four walls of my cubicle at the time. Mm. Um, and, you know, you, you, I was two years out of school at that point, and I was just like... Is there more to life than coming and sitting at a desk every day and, and, you know, resizing logos, even if it's for,
0: (laughs) for DreamWorks, but, you know, is is there more? You guys were working at DreamWorks then? Yeah. That's nice. So there was a lot at stake there. There was a lot on the line. Mm -hmm. That's another thing to chase your dreams. Sometimes you got to give up a real cush position or a real cush design job or whatever have you in whatever career choice you're in to, to get that end goal. And for you, what was it? you know, a calling? Did you
1: feel the sense of duty? I, you know, I, it's, it's a combination of things. So it's like I saw that I, could, that I could work outside of an office. So freelancing was a thing. I could take on jobs on the side and that was cool. The other thing was like I'd always kind of felt a draw towards service, tactical service. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I just was that. like, if I'm going to do this, now is the time. Hmm. And so I left my job um, in order to just kind of like pursue some other options and see what was out there. And uh, the month that I left my job was the month that the 2008 recession hit. <laughs> oh. oh, so it made the decision really, really easy for me uh, because all of the freelancing work dried right up. There was no design jobs anywhere to be. Were had. you able to anticipate that? No, not at all. I was kind of blindsided. It wasn't dramatic because I was already kind of like, okay, this is going to be a little bit scary being out on my own, and then we'll figure it out as we go.
0: But it wasn't a problem because it's a government job, right? right? Steady income, right? Benefits.
1: So walked into the to, to the police job um, within a month or two after leaving. Wow. The, the spot at Postno Bills, and. I had lofty goals and ambitions. You know, I was like watching 24, seeing Jack Bauer. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> <knapsack. laughs> Get a kick down Maybe doors I need to rephrase and my answer. Round maybe him maybe it's, up. It's like uh, the, the Jack Bauer satchel. There you go. There we go. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah. That so nice. I was watching that show. I was like, I could do that, right? For sure. <laughs> Look at this guy. No. Um, so... I started at the top. I like applied for the CIA, and then I applied for the FBI, oh, nice. and then I applied for state investigative oh, no departments. No You know, I just worked my way down cool. until finally <laughs> a local police department decided to hire me.
0: Well, you shoot for the stars, that's and right. you settle for whatever you can get at that point. You know, yeah. uh, early on, that's a uh, it's pretty typical. That's great life advice. Just it is. generally,
3: it applies everywhere
0: and it yeah. also says a lot about you as well <laughs> yeah in a good way sorry that whatever you know no a good way he really he strives for the best yeah that's this guy, what that say. says and uh but sometimes to get to that point you kind of have to work your way through you're not going to get the dream job right. from a cold turkey you know i'm just i'm coming in guys and right. uh, we're doing this sometimes you got to work your way up um so i read somewhere you got a best markman Award here. <laughs> what uh, what were you using, and uh, yeah. who were you against? Sure. So, um, is this guy Smitty some, something of yes, importance
1: to this? Yes. So, Smitty is uh, one of my best friends, my dearest friend. I met him in the academy. Okay. Um, he was a Marine captain before he left the Marines and and signed on to the Savannah Police Department. Wow. So he and I went through the academy together, and I had never fired a weapon. At all period before Ooh, that academy. stings for him even more, huh? Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is this is just awesome but you know, I'd never fired a weapon and <laughs> It surprised me every time so that when the slide rocked back and the, and the you know recoil hit It right. was a surprise because it was a surprise that actually makes you a better shot Because you're not anticipating the recoil true So if you take if you take a, a weapon to the range and you're so it was
0: your first shot
1: was just it was just the first time I'd ever fired a weapon so oh we we went through God. weeks and weeks of weapons training. What kind training. of weapon
0: was it? it was a Glock. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. why. That's why. So of okay. So yeah. sight on Yeah.
1: Nice. So um you know, when you go to the range and you're, and you're sending rounds down range, you if your kind of grouping yeah. is down into the left. That means you're anticipating the recoil yeah. if you're right-handed. Absolutely. And that means you're trying to hold the gun down as it recoils. As back. it recoils. Really, you're supposed to let it surprise you. So I, because I was a clean slate, our firearms instructor was really um, delighted because he had just fresh clay to, to mold. And so through the weeks of the weapons training, it was me and Smitty, you know, neck and neck. And uh, at the final day, oh my the final uh, weapons qualification I beat him, and I beat him by like Heck three yeah. shots. Take Ooh. that, Smitty! <laughs> now he still maintains today that he was just sending rounds through the same hole. Okay, okay, and we know that. As, that's as not the, the that's, <laughs> that's a little <laughs> far fetched, there, would. Smitty.
0: But uh, so, man, how long were you a cop for before joining the military? So you transitioned. Oh yeah. So I was. Were you still trying to get as far away from design at that point, or were you just drawn to a different purpose? Uh, L- that the police bit. Like, schematic uh, couldn't give you.
1: So I went through the academy, and I kind of expected a little bit more in terms of interesting the boot camp kind of nose in the dirt feeling.
0: You wanted the real deal.
1: I wanted the real deal. Yeah. So when I got cut loose, I spent six months on the street in uniform, doing you know traffic stops and accidents and domestic and stuff like that. And then I was like, you know what? I'm shipping off going to uh, the National Guard. And so that's when I joined and spent six months in basic training and advanced individual training to be a military police officer. And definitely got the basic training experience there. Nice, man.
0: (laughs) Well, before we go any further, man, I just want to thank you for your service. You know, I truly appreciate the sacrifices, even if it's, you know, if it's not deployed out of country, you're still laying your guys's life down, you know, day in and day out. In any scenario, things can happen, especially now with all the mass shootings and whatnot. So, us here at you know Dimension Software and Call to Action, Ben and Keith, we really appreciate you, man, and we love the military and love the police force. So, uh, well, thank thanks. you, thank Amen. you, That's that, man. This is for you. Yeah, seriously. Oh, thank you. Well, cheers to that, man. Cheers. Um, so you join the Army National Guard and eventually get moved into a special operations team. Can you run us through what your roles were? What kind of operations were you guys uh, running and conduct?
1: Definitely, so once I got back home, obviously I was drilling once a month and the National Guard thing just kind of got put on cruise control. Okay. Um, The unit never got deployed and I spent four and a half years in or five years in. Wow. And we just never went anywhere. So um, drilled every weekend and that that was fine. On the civilian front though, um, when I came back, I was fit and I was motivated, right? I had lost like 80 pounds through basic training and I was like, I could run. Do
0: you have any funny hazing stories real quick, uh, from basic training at all? No, there was no. nothing
1: about basic that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, no, but I have some funny cop stories that we can get into. Okay? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so the, I'll tell you one real quick. Please do. Go. One of the most kind of infamous training officers that we had at our precinct decided to take a vacation. It was his first vacation in probably 20 years. I mean, this guy was old and crusty and grumpy. Legend. Yeah. Great guy. Love him to death. Uh, But he decided to go on vacation. So we got the idea to uh, get some fish and put it in his car before he left. Oh, solid dudes. And we forgot about it. (laughs) Until the day before he came back. <laughs> and so it was sitting in the Savannah heat.
0: Which is humid as well, 14 right? 14 days, yeah. Oh my God. So, so it's soaked in the ceiling. It's it soaked was, in the yeah, steering and, wheel. But
1: the whole goal was like to leave it in there for, for maybe a day or two just to get a fish smell in there. But it smelled so bad that when we opened the door, all three of us you know, blue vomited. Just, oh yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. It was horrible. So we, we took the fish out. And then we just closed it and we were like, we'd never tell anybody about this. So Gerber comes back. This is the, this is the PTO. He comes back. He gets in his car and he, like we're watching through the window and he, he like sits in his car and then immediately like runs <laughs> out. Like, like Stuff scattering all it's over so the ridiculous. ground. in a like, couple seconds. Just That's like, how crusty it was he was. Like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, it so stinky. It's shocking. Oh my God. So, oh. You could have killed the guy. I, seriously. Heart attack, seriously. man. And uh, That's the hilarious. crazy thing is, is that they you had can to, smell it from here. They had to decommission the car. <laughs> oh my god! They can still smell it today. The no. legend, <laughs> legend has it, is somewhere it still stinks. I can oh. guarantee
0: it. They probably used that. They probably sent it off <laughs> to like the Marines for like training, you know, outdoor <laughs> conducts with all the vehicles and whatnot. Oh my! Yeah. Or blowing shit up, you yep. know. Oh my goodness.
1: Yeah, so that was fun, but no. So the the career back at home because I was so motivated, you know, all I wanted to do was get drugs and guns, and just put all of my effort into that for a couple of months. And a special operations unit kind of saw that activity, and they were like, "Hey, you want to come hang out with us?" So I got to be one of the jump out boys. There's and a we'd, calling. We'd oh yeah ride around with uh, unmarked cars and jump out of minivans and stuff and chase drug dealers. And, what were
0: you guys uh, all? equipped with at that point for those types of missions?
1: This one, we we had specialized uniforms because we would get in so many, like, All situations. situations. Yeah. Um, normally, you know, Savannah police wear dress blues, right? Right. It's like blue kind of wool stuffy uniforms. But we had polos and then kind of tactical pants that we would wear. 5'11 because, pants or yep, something. Yeah. Just because we'd get in so many fights and tear up our uniforms and stuff like that. Jeez so, That was fun. I did that for a year. And um, from there, I was making narcotics cases on a regular basis. So uh, when I hear when I heard of a spot opening up on the counter narcotics team, I was like, oh, man, I got to go for it. Oh, yeah. Sign me up.
0: We want to give a shout-out to our partner, Dimension Software. This podcast could not be possible without our team of support and the amazing platform to produce this kick-ass content for you guys. Dimension Software is a software engineer and design firm in sunny Santa Monica, California. Technical wizards, creative cowboys, and optimization gurus are just a few titles given to them over the years. Sexy software and happy clients is the model they live by. Whether you're in need of a mobile app to launch your next big startup idea, or to create a new sales funnel for your existing business. Or you're opening an e-commerce site and need Shopify experts to help create that juicy SEO. Viral content creation, sexy branding, and everything else you need to get your business running smoothly and efficiently. Or hell, just wanna grab a beer with some awesome dudes? Check out DimensionSoftware.com or on LinkedIn. This episode is also brought to you by Passwordless Login, an e-commerce plugin that makes customer login process effortless. Here's a crazy fact. In the US alone, a single customer registers over 100 accounts to one email. Guess what? 75% of us duplicate passwords. I know it drives me bonkers going through the password reset process, or even worse, getting locked out of my own account from trying too many times. So stop wasting your customer's time trying to remember security questions like what street my first kiss was on, How the hell am I supposed to remember? So if you're an e-commerce business and want the most secure and customizable login process on the market, visit the Shopify app store and search passwordless login or email support at dimensionsoftware.com titled passwordless login and they'll get you hooked up. Let them know we referred you in the email with hashtag CTAP for call to action podcast. That's Charlie Tango Alpha Papa, and you'll get up to a fifteen percent discount on your first year subscription. So you joined this narcotics. Yeah, agent.
1: so it, I put in for I put in for a spot on the narcotics team, and um, I kind of walked into it. It was just like, instantly boom. Yeah. So Do you have
0: any crazy uh, busts or <laughs>
1: well, altercations the first, that? Yeah, the first year and a half I spent on a tactical team. And the tactical team did more like street-level drugs, and that was probably the most fun I ever had in my career. Is it true
3: that sometimes in the confiscation comes recreational use?
1: Oh, man. I, Some of the officers? I had never seen it. You know, we we heard kind of rumors of other officers doing that kind of stuff, um, but I never experienced that. Like, the the narcotics team was such a tight-knit group of people that, like... We just we just wanna get drugs off the street. Heck and yeah. it was a game. You know, we were are sure. like we had our tallies, like the how much cocaine we've seen we've seized and stuff
0: like that. What was the tally? What did you guys get?
1: Oh man, it was in the millions of dollars of drugs off the street and funds seized and stuff like that. But What's
3: the biggest single bust.
1: Financially, um I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it, but I I can tell you it was it was Two to three million dollars, okay, seized. Wow, in cash and bank funds.
0: oh well, what's uh, what's kind of crazy though is that depending on where, what cartel that was coming from or group, uh, that's like one hair off the head. Oh, of uh, course. Yeah, we shut insane. the locals
1: down, which that's great. That's great, but. You know, we weren't, we're, we're not going up against Mexico. <laughs> exactly.
2: so,
3: and Ben and I are still in business here at CTAB. So we hit everything well this morning. Exactly, man. <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, so. But no, we do, we do crazy stuff. The tactical team was so, so much fun because the, the bust that we would do was mainly like, you know, the investigations were very short. Um, we'd have confidential informants or we would go undercover and then pretty much the same day or the next day we would make the bust, which is the, their arrest. So sometimes we'd do things like pinching a vehicle. Oh, yeah. So we'd, we'd you know, have a, a truck in front of the vehicle and then a truck behind it, and then we'd box it in and kind of pinch it mm-hmm. so that it didn't go anywhere. And then 18 dudes would pile out of the truck and then rip somebody from the driver's seat, arrest him, check him, put him in our truck, and then an officer would get in their car and they would drive away. So
3: the movies are... Sometimes spot on. Sometimes, yeah. I always, well, okay. My wife hates
1: it when I watch tactical movies because I'm like, up. Oh, they're doing that wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's not even the, the magazine's not even in. It's in backwards. <laughs> Your finger's not even on the trigger. How is that firing? I know it's that. Not a clip. I'm not even. Exa- <laughs> I know. Oh my god, man. I only had to hear that once from an old timer about. Uh, I called. We're out in the range, and I was like, oh man. How do i put this clip in i was when i was first starting he goes son don't ever call that a goddamn clip again i was like yes sir that, you know i was like it's a magazine i get that so exactly it's not a clip um so man this is kind of an interesting turn of events uh how did, did the creative spirit ever leave you while like chasing down these bad guys or was it something you just blocked off and said, this is my mission now, I'm, I'm single path tunnel vision to, to catching these bad guys and nothing else matters? Or did you always have the spirit of creativity kind of just knocking at the door saying, hey Ben, you know, let, let's come home, let's, this is what you're meant to be, you're really good at it? Or,
1: No, I, I, I think it was, I've always expressed myself creatively, but I was expressing myself in a, in a totally different way. Um, as far as my career goes in those days, I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life You know, I hadn't had I hadn't lost any friends yet. I hadn't oh, right. seen the negative effects of being a police officer um, You know, I hadn't really kind of internalized what the trauma and the stress were doing to mental states, right. You know with my friends yet um, So I was like, this is cool. This is fun. I'm, I'm getting adrenaline dumps on a daily basis. Let's just keep this. Oh, this yeah, rolling. But I was always kind of creative in the background. Like uh, you know, two years in, my wife and I bought a house and we weren't even married at that at that point. Was this
0: the girl you left school to go nope. chase? Okay. Different okay. Girl. Just just clarify. sensitive topic there. Sorry. Oh. God. My bad. Edit. Driving me to drink.
3: Cut that yeah. one out. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well the good the no, good news not. is we have more. <laughs> yeah. We got lots more where that came
0: from, buddy.
1: So but when when we bought this house, my wife uh, my wife and I moved in and this Home was exactly the way they built it in 1943. Oh, okay. Uh, so when we moved in, we put the air conditioning in. Uh, we completely renovated it. We moved the kitchen from one room to the next, and we did everything ourselves. So I was running plumbing and wow. drywall and all this kind of stuff. Um, Women
0: love a handyman, let me tell you. <laughs> and a beard with a big it's beard. Right. Did you have a beard at that time?
1: Uh, yes, actually. Good for the, you. The, the the narcotics team was where the beard originated. You kind of had to, yeah, to
0: be yeah. the rough, tough, grimy dude that's just part of the yeah. ecosystem, right? You got to blend in. That's right, I want to stand out.
1: You know, I always found some way to like express myself creatively and then in those days it was the house. It was like interior design versus anything. So wow.
0: So did you guys uh, you end up flipping that house: I'm, um, Oh yeah, I read up. Yeah, made, the, made a little money.
1: The beautiful thing was uh, the year before we moved, they put a Whole Foods. It was walking distance. from Oh, house. good for so you! Property value went sky Skywalking. high, and it was just like thank
0: you, yes. Whole Foods. So do you guys do you support Whole Foods for oh, that absolutely. now? <laughs> you, you shop there still to this day? Yes. All right. All right. Absolutely. So how did you find your way back from all of this crazy adrenaline rush? I'm I'm an adrenaline junkie myself, <laughs> as is he. You know, it's it's hard to quit something that you really love. Yeah. Uh, my career before getting into this, uh, I was a professional athlete. Played soccer for a bit. Oh wow. Um, And man, the adrenaline rush you'd get from playing in front of a lot of people and things of that nature and getting in there, you know, after early mornings with the team, man, there's just, there's nothing like scoring a nice goal in front of a nice crowd is something you just, you can't replicate. And it's something I had to give up. That's pretty hard. Uh, Did you have a similar feeling of like, man, I got to give this, did did something happen that you had to get back into the creative world? Um, Was it a, a friend that was struggling with some mental problems and you're like, man, this might happen to me or something natural.
1: Like the the previous jump, it was just tons of factors. Um, I got another promotion. I was working major cases um, the last year and a half of my career there. So we were running wiretaps and we were working with the DEA and a couple of other federal agencies. And the thing about running wiretaps is it's absolutely no adrenaline. So I actually had time to like think and process. and I started to notice things about my friends that I had kind of left on patrol or left in the tactical team. Mm. And I could see, you know, substance abuse problems starting to surface alcoholism and, right. you know, people were getting divorced. And I kind of made the realization in major case that like when you're a cop, it's like something breaks, either your body breaks, your your mind, or your marriage, like one of those has to break. Mm. And so, Now I was aware of the problem and I was kind of like looking for a solution, but running wiretaps, the the crazy thing is is that there has to be somebody manning the phones at all times, 24 hours a day. True. So we were sitting there in the, in the wire room while the drug dealers were sleeping. And you know, as you can imagine, these guys were, they were sleeping a lot. And so the phones would just not ring for 12 hours a day. So there's a lot of time to do stuff. So right. you know, my buddies—I tell the story a lot—but they would work out in the little gym that we had in the room, or watch movies, or something like that. And I—I I worked. I found freelance clients to work for. No and, joke. Yeah, I would do like I would jump wow. on Odesk or Upwork, whatever <laughs> it was called in the, in those days. I would jump on the on the platform and I would be in the wire room designing logos and.
0: That's Stuff. awesome. Uh, what what were your prices back then?
1: Oh, like fifty bucks. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> and,
0: and I was just like, to get is, the name in the door.
1: This is this is three or four hours of work. Oh my god. And what that's an that's an interesting
0: world. point you make there because uh, as we kind of transition on how you got started with your freelance business and eventually transitioned that to being full time mm-hmm. and building that into an agency. You know, growing a business is tough. Oh yeah, and. I'd like to kind of get your thoughts on platforms like Upwork and Fiverr. Uh, we sometimes get clients who need some work done, resurrection work we call it, mm-hmm. from those platforms. And it's really tough for us. It puts us in a tough spot because while uh, while you could try and finagle what's been built, mm-hmm. typically it's not done with any technique right. whatsoever. So it's really... Really, better to just start from the scratch, and they don't want to hear those types of, you know, proposals, if you will. Sure. So, a lot of the time, we can't even help anyone. Uh, one because they're kind of they don't want to hear that they're, they feel like mm-hmm. they don't want to admit that they made a mistake, etc. And uh, but we, we also don't want to get stuck in a rut of doing endless work. So, um, at the end of the day, you pay for what you get, right? And. Sure while there are, you could find some needles in the haystack in those platforms, most of the time it's not the case. Um, so it's always a smart decision hiring a professional agency such as the future, or, you know, we'd like to think that we're professional. Uh, <laughs> we do, we do. Okay. No, we do, we do. We've worked on some, some pretty cool projects. Um, not the tutor on horn, but we have, uh, we have a, a group, small group of, uh, team members, core team members that we use. We don't Outsource and and we work really efficiently, but you know when you're starting to first try to find those clients uh, Did your freelance business utilize those platforms? Yeah, or in what ways to get traction going? Did you guys try and
1: Yeah, I mean clients I was in Savannah, Georgia and honestly like I Had no goals of starting a business in those days. I was just like interesting here. I have all this time How could I make some money and then you know, I looked into at literally starting a donut shop and all sorts of different oh, weird yeah. business ideas. And I was like, ah, oh, let me just make some logos in the meantime and um, The platform at the time, I think it was Odesk, which okay. was, I think it's now Upwork And I wouldn't say it's inherently bad or good. I think it's just it exists and the people on there are kind of in a bad position because Here they are. They're trying to make money doing what they love and they're almost spoiled by the way that they bring in new clients because they're just served to them. Right. But that comes at a cost because the clients that are on Odesk are typically looking for a budget buy, right? They're looking for a deal. They can't afford to hire other, you know, more professional creative agencies. And so, what Odesk does, the, the unfortunate thing is it trains service providers. The wrong way of doing business it's like absolutely in those days, I was looking for more volume, and I didn't even believe that I could charge more and so mm. you know, I had all these kind of habits from using the platform that I think are dastardly to starting a business
0: and valuing yourself
1: right exactly um, so like I said it it was a great way to get started, and eventually i was nice. I was making more money on that platform than I was. On my day job, right? Um, so it, was, it made wow. a really good bridge for me. How, to, how long did that take jump? Probably about a year. Okay, yeah, I did you, both for about a you year. You just hit it
0: hard mm-hmm. every single day while you were listening to boring conversations. Did you ever hear any funny conversations while being on the wiretap or <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, anything that stands out? Like, wow, that's I was literally memorable. can't
1: say anything about that. Stuff. I am gotcha. still under NDA, but gotcha. there was one time that I heard a friend on the phone. Interesting. <laughs> and I was like freaking out because I recognized him. Wow. And it turns out he was just doing a traffic stop. Okay. And the phone was just still on. But and it I was gonna say, freaked you, me
3: out, you, you can discuss us too because we're here today, so <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no confidentiality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, r- real quickly, j- j- just to circle back on that, on that point. Uh, so like at Dimension Software here, we get oftentimes a lot of what we consider rescue projects and we get them mm-hmm. because we're quite good at them. So it's a little bit of a
0: Catch twenty two.
3: Yeah, it's a little bit of it's a little bit of like like a virtuous cycle, and it's a little bit of a vicious cycle, right? Because right. you know, while we're 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 good at it, and we've got a little bit of you know, like people know us for being able to rescue these projects. You know, at the end of the day, sometimes they're very hard to uh, you know to, to to work forward with without maybe starting from scratch. Kind of like, but what Ben was saying earlier, would you have any advice for for you know taking the next step for 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 you know kind of breaking a little bit of that cycle?
1: Moving out of, uh, rescue projects. Yeah. Yeah. I landing
0: mean, larger and we'll, we'll get a little bit into that as well. I mean, we can talk about it now as, uh, too, but, uh, you know, landing those bigger projects, we've worked on some bigger projects and I guess also for listeners and people that are building their small businesses and, and from both the client side and from, you know, the, yeah. the agency side, um, you know, what, what would you tell somebody that's trying to break out of those? A there's project, a ton
3: yeah. of people out there, you know, kind of in the same place. Right. Precisely.
1: So your name gets thrown around as somebody who can rescue bad projects or projects that have gone wrong. Right. And what you've done is you've, you've stumbled into a niche. And so I think that, you know, not knowing very much about what's going on, maybe the solution is to break out of that niche and pick a new niche. Right, yeah, to specialize exactly. in something else. So a lot of times, like the question I get asked all the time, hands down, how do I find bigger clients? How do yes, I find clients? For sure. And every time that you know somebody asks me that, my response is, well, who are your clients? Because if you don't know who they are, you're not going to know where they go. Precisely. If you specialized in like health and wellness, um, you would know exactly where those people go to get their information. You'd know what conferences to attend or speak at, even better. You'd know exactly what meetup groups to join, uh, what they kind of like are struggling with, like medical people, marketing and HIPAA, and it's a disaster. <laughs> so the content rights itself, you know exactly where to target them online. So knowing who your clients are is by far the, mo- the easiest way to find bigger clients.
3: And are you guys doing this also at the future and, and you yourself?
1: No, not at all. So we're, we're not taking on any more client work. We haven't all year. Wow we totally moved away from that.
0: Is that because of the channel? And we'll, we'll dive into that Mm -hmm. in just a sec as we kind of move. So I guess before you answer that, how did, because, because this story is fascinating, (laughs) it's twists and turns and it's a roller coaster. So, you know, you guys now have heard the word future. If you, if you don't know them, uh, go check out blind in the future. They're in my opinion, and, and many others, the FC Barcelona, I'm a football fan, obviously, <laughs> or, or Manchester City, uh, highest Premier League division of, of the creative space. It's amazing what they do. They work with some of the best companies out there. How did they take notice to you? Uh, what what did you do to to catch the eye of such a big agency such as them? Yeah, that's a great from question. From a different state. I mean, from across the country.
1: Yeah. So... Eventually, like I said, I was making enough money to support myself through the freelance kind of career. Did you have a daughter at the time no, as well? No, I was married, married. but uh, nobody nobody so else was in the house. But you, you still have to dogs. take care of your
0: and Was your wife working as well at the mm-hmm. time? Yep. What was she doing?
1: She worked in a hospital. Hospital so as well. admin, yeah. Okay. Um, but I you know, was making enough money to, to support myself. And I got on the phone with Smitty, and uh, he had previously left the department to go work at a different department. He was like, dude, what are you doing? You have so much talent. What are you even, why are you even there? And I was like, no, you know, it's, it's secure. And then he brought up a friend of ours who had just gotten shot and then brought up another mm. friend who committed suicide and then brought up another friend mm. who uh, was basically banned from being hired anywhere because, uh, you know, disciplinary action from a really corrupt leader in the department had stuck to him hmm. and he was like this thing is not permanent it's it, it, nothing is stable and you are you you've got so much talent i don't know why you're still here and that was kind of the kick that i needed to to, to make the leap right and um so made the leap and started freelancing kind of full time and uh i was just churning through work I mean, I, at one point I had like 53 clients and each one of those clients had, had multiple projects and I was working 18 hour days. I was just just trying to grind it out. Just me. One guy. Just one guy. Yeah. Working on Odesk. Just pumping them out. Just cranking them out. Were they,
0: were they beautiful pieces of art? Always. Every time. Yeah, (laughs) Nailed it. Uh,
1: Yeah. So, you know, it was, it was stressful and it was like, you know, starting a business. It it sucks like the whole process sucks and is awesome and all that wrapped up in the one Um, But I was really like I was looking online for solutions I I literally typed in the Google search bar how to find more clients because I believe the solution was to to get more Volume even Mm -hmm. more than I was already doing and somehow figure out how to do the work faster and Somewhere along the lines in my searches. I, I stumbled upon What was then the school, and it was Uh, Chris Doe. S K O O L. Yeah, it was Chris Doe and Jose Caballer, and uh, they were making YouTube videos about you know this week in web design, Hmm. and so I I stumbled into them, and you know Chris was giving business advice, and I was like, my God, this guy's a genius, and he was telling us you know you need to charge more, and he started you know listing out some of the rates that he was charging, which were a thousand times literally more than you know I was charging. And so I reached out to him and I was like, "Hey man, just wanted to let you know, you know, I'm I've been burning the midnight oil. I've been really struggling and the content is making all the difference in the world. Please don't stop. Thank you for what you're doing." That's it. I just wanted to send a thank you note. Right. And he hits me back. This Emmy award-winning designer Christo hits me back the next day. He was like, "Hey man, thanks for your note. You want to chat? Uh, it was like yeah, like in person, like what uh, on the phone, like a live, <laughs> real conversation <laughs> on the what? internet. You, your <laughs> hands
0: start shaking. <laughs> no, Dude, he's, he's a, a big sweat. deal. Yeah, he's a huge yeah. deal.
1: I mean, this is the guy that was working with some crazy, crazy. He's clients. the man, the
0: myth, and the legend. Yep.
1: So we jump on the phone, and this turned into a mentoring session right there. And one of the first things he told me to do, he's like, "I'll give you advice. It's up to you if you want to take it or not." And I just decided just to say yes to anything he told me to do because if he yes, man, yeah I was like if, if he could do this And spend 23 years growing this incredible business and you know making it in LA, which is the toughest even place, it's tougher Crazy, and so there was I, I had actually moved before this conversation to richmond, virginia mm-hmm. And it was just kind of a fresh start uh, You know wipe the slate wipe slate clean kind of thing So there was sitting in Richmond, Virginia, getting advice from this legendary designer. And one of the first things he told me was, you have to fire all of your clients. And I was like, hold on. on." (laughs) Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) I'll (laughs) do whatever you say, (laughs) except
0: (laughs) where am I going to bring in any income?
1: Exactly. So he was like, you're not making enough money from those clients to make ends meet. And he had me crunch my numbers and I was actually making less than $3 an hour ouch ouch so i was like okay i'm gonna do it he's like you need to raise your rates get on the phone with every single one of your clients and say hey look i have to run a profitable business i haven't done a great job of that in the past um, my rates are increasing to i think it was like a hundred dollars an hour at that point um I'd peanuts love- to what <laughs> they are now <laughs> i i'd love to keep you on as a client and if if you can meet the new rate you know, I'd love to work together more. Um, but if not, I'd be happy to make some recommendations. So I made 53 calls in one day.
0: How many recommendations were you making?
1: 50. <laughs>
0: Whoa. Only well,
1: that, three that's not clients Not, but stuck. that's a
0: gut check, man.
3: Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of the, you know, with, with Upwork and a lot of these platforms, you know, we've kind of noticed the same thing. Mm-hmm. And with a lot of these rescue projects, you know, it's a... Uh, the kind of what you're talking about, you know, you raise the rates and sometimes these people fall off. It can be, you know, a, a pivoting moment for a business.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there it was. Um, 50 clients down. <laughs> three clients stuck around. Hey, those are
0: three solid leads right there. They're they were not amazing leads, people. sorry. Clients. Yeah, yeah. They're already clients yeah. at this point.
1: Yeah. Amazing people, amazing companies. And um, the the amount that I was making from those three clients was actually more than I was making from all 53 combined. Yeah. That's incredible.
0: So he knew what he was talking about. He
1: knew exactly what he was talking about. And at that point, all of a sudden I was still really quick, right? Still really quick at doing the work. And so I could nail the, you know, the work that they were giving me and then had time to network and had time to really look into the local area and figure out who the, who my clients could be. Mm But the mentorship with Chris lasted for two or three years in in Richmond. Wow! And uh, was
0: that time period? Uh, can I can I ask about this? Him and Jose's partnership split. Oh yeah, sure. Split. Go for it. Uh, what what kind of did that happen during that period? Because I know there's from my research. I've actually followed Chris myself. Oh, nice. Um, I'm the creative director here. You know, we're trying to rebrand Dimension Software after Mm -hmm. we had some large projects in the uh, previous years that were doing quite well. We thought, hmm, this is cush. We don't really need to focus as hard on that. Well, when those started to dwindle and and transition, Mm -hmm. we we realized, man, brand is where we're going to be (laughs) in the long term. We need Mm -hmm. to start building that out. And so that's where... Him and I sat down over a few beers uh, and said, man, what, what do we got to do to get our brand built? Mm-hmm. And so I started looking on, you t- how, how the heck do I do this? So, you know, the likes of Chris Doe, the likes of Gary Vee yep. and uh, a few others that I look up to as uh, advice I, I want to listen to mm-hmm. and, and I, it's coming from a good place. I realized, man, we got a podcast. We got to re- give a facelift to our website as well, which we did. Uh, we created a native app on the App Store, uh, which you don't find a lot of those actually company apps on the App Store. Mm. So we're kind of wizards in that. You know, I'm gonna, badass I'm business card. Yeah, it's a badass <laughs> business card, exactly. Um, but you know, going off of that, what? How does how do partnerships? break off like that at such a, I know we're taking a little bit of a side road here, but it's really, I've always wondered cause he hasn't ever talked about it. Um, what happened between the two of them? It was just a partnership that doesn't work. Are they still friends? Uh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, um, somewhere in that two years where he was mentoring me, um, the partnership between he and Jose just kind of dissolved. And I think that really at the core of it was the vision for the company. You know, Chris is kind of like, well, maybe I'm like Chris in that he wants to achieve a huge, massive goal. The the mission of the future is to touch 1 billion lives, to help 1 billion people make money doing what they love.
0: Well, you're two souls here, one step closer to that goal, brother. Nice. Seriously.
1: That's great. So, you know, he has these big lofty dreams and I don't know that they matched Jose's vision for the company, Um, you know. I think that they're just very, very different people. Even though they went to school together, uh, the partnership caused friction in in ways that like was a little bit unavoidable.
0: And Affected mm. the business.
1: Yeah, yeah. So they decided to part ways, but Jose's still very much involved in okay. the in the business. So we still carry his products. Uh, core is his kind right. of strategy framework. And it's and, a great one. Yeah, yeah. And he's you know still working on that. He still gives web webinars and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, So he and Chris are still really good friends.
0: It's kind of a really cool um, perspective to be able to internalize and reflect and self-reflect in a way that you're able to see, disassociate yourself from your own business. That's Mm -hmm. really tough, especially with someone at that level. You know, Chris Doe could just say, you know, I'm Chris and you're gonna do what I say. And I'm just I'm gonna get here and I don't really need to he, he honestly could probably just cruise control and still be very successful at this point. Oh, yeah. But that's not him. And to get to those, you you need to step away from yourself, mm-hmm. self-reflect and say, okay, what's what's better for the business? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's man, I gotta <laughs> I got to have a tough conversation with a tough really really close friend of mine and and break off a partnership that's probably been going on for a long time. That's those are hard decisions right. to make, but that's a sign of a good leader.
1: And the beautiful thing is is that like both of them are happier. <laughs> so it's like it was the right know, they're, decision. They're 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 good friends still and it really was because the the relationship that was kind of tied to the business was was what was causing the friction. So when they got rid of that, everything really smoothed out. So it's good.
3: You have tons of experience leading teams and working with teams, growing teams, blossoming, uh, you know, as we, as we would say, uh, could you give us maybe some tips and some techniques, things that you do working with people, you know, to just kind of always elevate the team.
2: Hmm.
1: Tips and tricks for elevating the team. So one thing I've always believed in is like, you know, when you're bringing people on, whether they're freelancers or, or full time, um, we have to make an investment in them. And so anytime somebody wants to learn something on the team, the the budget is wide open. If they want to go to a conference if they want to like, you know, go through some online training or, you know, something like that. We're always supportive of that. Um, I've sent our entire marketing team through several different programs this year. And I think that the investment in the in the person that's sitting across from you is an investment that, just continues to pay dividends because not only are they getting, are they growing personally and getting better at their job? Um, but it also just kind of instills a sense of loyalty. The other thing, and this is something that we need to do better at is celebrating smaller wins. Mm. So when you have a company like the future, you've got Chris who's the CEO, I'm the COO, Matthew's the CCO, and then Greg is the chief creative director. All of us are constant improvers. And so we are all trying to make things better and that can kind of lead to a culture of critique which is not always a bad thing but in terms of morale if you're not celebrating those small wins it can it can be a little much yeah for the for the team so that's something i'm aware of that we just need to improve
0: so to take it back just a little bit um just to kind of fill in the the gaps here you've created this your own agency um, you've been mentored by Chris for a couple years now, uh, things have been improving. What was mm-hmm. the jump? How did, how did the jump happen rather to get from the move from, you know, Richmond, Virginia mm-hmm. to Los Angeles? Did he offer you a job because he saw all of this potential and how you've been applying all of his methods and listening and learning and improving? And he said, man, I got to have this guy. And he offered you a contract or how did that go down?
1: Yeah. So it, those two years were probably the wildest ride of, of my life because the next call with Chris he told me to hire somebody and that was like <sighs> I couldn't I couldn't even imagine right for what role just anybody who's like get an intern get an assistant you know somebody that can do the work that you don't want to do and so I hired an intern and um, that's a long list yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah
3: yeah we mull over a similar
1: list <laughs> always but... and I, I didn't believe that I could afford it right And he was like, go hire somebody, make sure that you have enough time to work on the business and not in the business. Mm -hmm. So again, sage advice. And I was a little bit in disbelief because here I was like, you know, kind of broke. I didn't, I didn't think that I could pull on anybody on, at least on a part-time basis. I just didn't think the money would line up and um, interviewed some people. And there was this guy, he had been working outside of the industry for a couple of years and great designer but uh you know he had just recently been through an accident he was working in this uh mill where they were refinishing barnwood for like oh. reclaim stuff and uh he was on a planer and planed off two fingers oh so he was like oh no he was like yeah he held up his hand and oh. had two fingers and he was like I just want to get it back in the industry, man. If you can give me a chance to get just to work I'll, you know I'll do whatever I can. And so I was able to hire this really qualified designer for basically minimum wage, which I couldn't even afford at that point. My goodness.
0: Did you take a just loan? Because,
1: no, no. I mean, we made it work. Like Have you taken out, a business loan? No, never.
3: Even at the future?
1: Never. Always been self-funded. Wow. So we, you know, it was me and Brian and we went to work. And, uh, it just showed me that like by hiring people, you're actually giving them a chance to work on something that they want to work on. So if you don't have the budget, if you're working, if you're, if you're only looking at minimum wage, put it out there because chances are, there's a really qualified applicant somewhere that just needs a shot.
3: And they would love to work on that project. Yeah.
1: They just need a shot. You know, same thing with freelancers. It's like, Hey, if you're working on a $5,000 website and you need somebody to build it for 1000 bucks, put it out there. Because you, you may find somebody who just needs that kind of like first at bat right? who will nail it out of the park.
3: How do you sort of screen these people to know, hey, this guy has the ability to pull this through, see it to the end?
1: Portfolio is key. I mean, that's. It, I don't care what school you went to. I don't care what your background is. But you show me the work. And that's the proof that to, I need. Yeah. Yeah. Listen
3: up guys.
0: <laughs> so you're starting to build your business. Yep. At what point did you get it to and then what was the transition to uh, this crazy big agency yeah. that was calling your name?
1: So we, we were five people. So we grew from one to five people in the span of a year and a half. And uh, I got an office in downtown ah. Richmond like right on West Broad Street which is right in the middle of downtown. Um, it's great, like third floor office. We had a, a window, like one. That's massive, that's massive. <laughs> so everyone stood there at lunchtime,
0: <laughs> breathing yeah, in the sunlight and
1: fresh yeah. air. We like rotated out, like nice. What's the window this week. <laughs> nice. Rock great, paper man. scissors for it. No, but you know our, you know the projects went from fifty dollar logos to forty thousand dollar, you know identity engagements. Okay. So um, we were able to really get into the local sphere, and we started finding a niche around. You know, working with healthcare. So a lot of the bigger budget jobs were nursing homes and some elder care stuff. And uh, we started to stumble into this niche of people that really needed help bringing their business into the 21st century that were just kind of laggards in the on the bell curve. So, you know, these the trajectory of Burnt Creative was, was really positive. And we got to a point where two of my people were Getting ready to leave. One was leaving for family stuff to, to move back home, and then the other one had found a better job, which is great. You know, I love Absolutely. to see that celebrate. That's that's the stepping stone. Yep. love to have to see celebrate those grow. as well. And it was just like uh, you know, at this point, it was I could tell that there was a transitioning happening. Chris and I were talking, you know, once or twice a week at least, uh, and we had already talked about going into projects together because I was starting to feel pretty big projects. I I was on an RFP for a million dollar ad campaign and um, made it all the way to the very last Mm. phase. It was me and one other company. Um, So we we were starting to like think about working together. And that was when the split happened with Jose on his end. Okay. So he was like, listen, you know, I see you out there. I see the work that you're doing you're, you know, I was building websites and doing brand identity at this, at the time. He was like, it's great work. He's like, I need somebody to run digital projects for blind. Uh, you know, would that interest you? And I was like, absolutely. I was actually calling you to see if you wanted to work together. You know, it was like kind wow. of, we were both thinking the Stars same align. thing. Yeah. And so he acquired my company and moved me, my family and one employee out to LA. Can you talk about
0: what uh, that acquisition was,
1: <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> or I, even just it was materiality? Decent. <laughs> <It> was decent. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was fun. More like an aqua hire, but uh, the but that's a big deal, man. It is a big deal, and I, I felt really, really good about um, just my trajectory. I mean, three years going from. Freelancing out of my garage to now move into LA to be the digital director of Blind. That plays a lot
0: to your mission based personality, Mm -hmm. though. And I think that that's been shown here throughout this whole conversation. Uh, You see a goal and you go for it. And also, you know, when you do that and you're extremely focused, people notice. Mm -hmm. When people notice, good things can really come from that because people talk and people really respect the hustle, the grind and executing. And you were doing just that. And I think that just goes to show and just, you know, parallels everything else that you've done in your life, that this was the next mission Mm -hmm. and the next calling. And uh, he saw, saw the the benefit and talent and uh, what you could bring to the table. Yep. That's awesome. So you eventually move out here.
1: Yeah. So that was, we, we, Shook on the deal in September of 2016. And did you guys I, meet
0: up in person for that? Oh, yeah, I flew out there. I'd
1: been flying out here every quarter almost okay. before that. Um, and so we struck the deal in September of 2016, and I waited until January 2017 to make the move out. So moved everybody out, closed the business down in Richmond. That was a whole that was a whole but if you think starting a business is hard, closing, closing it down, oh my tough, God. huh?
3: Well, a, there's a process for this. Yeah,
1: it is, but it sucks. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. Were you able to kind of reclaim any of those clients and sort of, you know, because in the digital nature of the internet, everything can be remote.
1: <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I actually continued working with one client just on a freelance basis for about a year after I made the move out here. Um,
3: so this is your client? Yeah, yeah.
0: Blinds, but probably didn't need to after that, right? And no, I just wanted a to make full sure. stack. there. yeah.
1: I wanted to make sure that the client was taken care of because right. it yeah. had happened like right at the finishing point of the project. And mm-hmm. there was a lot of the after work that they needed done. Right. Um, so it was more like I wanted to take care of the client. And even at 40, 50 grand, that didn't even come close to blinds minimum. Of engagement. Course. We have stuff. a similar
3: playbook here at Dimension. We make sure all of our clients are entirely
0: squared away. Always. It doesn't it's matter. In yeah. It's really important. So Sometimes I mean, reputation. You get, you know, calls later years down the line or uh, of a new client, potential client. And it's a referral from someone else that you took yeah. after care years,
1: of. after years. years. Yeah. And yeah, it's really yeah. important.
0: It goes a long way. So I can imagine there must have been a lot of fear in this transition. I mean, fear is a profound human emotion. Right. Uh, and I think a lot of people take it as a negative connotation. But in reality, you can really take that emotion that could be crippling but you can utilize it as a weapon in a Mm -hmm. way to shoot you to the next level and use it to empower you and were these some of the things that you experienced i mean what fears did you take on or feel moving from richmond virginia to los angeles to the hub i would say of entertainment yeah and you guys work with a lot of very large clients the largest Uh, there had to be a lot of pressure on your shoulders to uh, you know produce?
1: Yeah. So part of the deal um me coming out was to help grow the future. And it was the month that I moved out to LA that we actually named it the future.
0: Interesting. And so Did, was it your idea to take the E
1: off? No, no, that was not my idea at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's the future with no E. Um, <laughs> no, but the, the transition, when we talk about fear, right? And you were asking about working with bigger clients and stuff like that, obviously there's like a little bit of like edginess that comes on when I right. think about working with a, with a bigger client.
0: And there's a lot of money at stake there.
1: Yeah, it's true. But those were hurdles. Those were thresholds that I moved past really, really quickly. So it was like the first quarter million dollar job. I was kind of freaked out about, right? I was like, I say so. really wanted to make sure that I didn't drop the ball. But then I realized that a quarter million dollar job is really the same thing as a fifty thousand dollar job. It's the same thing as a five thousand dollar job. The Just a change in the something. materiality. Yeah, and you're really not even doing. You're doing more research, and you're probably putting a lot more effort into the aesthetics. But the difference between the client dynamic, it's nothing. I mean, I had fifty dollar clients that were worse than two hundred fifty thousand dollar clients. We've experienced
3: very similarly, uh, you know,
1: recently. Yeah,
3: Dimension Software. We do. We, yes,
1: it's that all about be. the 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 way that the client values the work. Because if the client values the work at a certain dollar point, then that's, you know.
3: Have you got tips? Because oftentimes, you know, like we get a lot of clients who in the past have worked with people, uh, you know, for free almost. You know, a lot of these people are in different countries and they have just an entirely different work I think and a lot, very different expectations. Uh, So just kind of bringing them into reality, bringing them back into kind of your space, your value of time. Uh, you know, have you got any techniques that, that, sort, that sort of work there and, and can smooth that process out for our listeners?
0: I would say just to add on to that, just, my I guess, my opinion, um, maybe it's just learning to set the standard early. Would you say that's semi-accurate? Sometimes we, uh, you know, a lot of the time we do a good job of that. I mean, this is just one person. So, um, but we, I would say it was our fault for not setting the standard and it was a successful project. I mean, the app works well, uh, especially for the we worked within the budget she had, etc. But she expected much, much more in mm. terms of, you know, the ongoing free work. And that's where it just was like, look, you know, we agreed to this proposal, etc. We executed, we delivered much more than we even agreed to. And you're still demanding all it's of 10 these more things.
3: features down the line you know and, and starting a new app <laughs>
0: but regardless um you know i i think for us it was just we needed to, we we need to get better at and this is just being open and honest you know uh we make mistakes even everybody sure. does And I think it was it was I need to do a better job of setting that that standard much, much sooner right off the bat. Because sometimes I can be a real bubbly guy and really want to get to know the client and be real close with them and hang out and really get to know what their pain points Mm -hmm. are. And sometimes, you know, you got to be a little bit right to the point direct.
1: I think I think clarity is what you're looking for. It's like making sure that the clients have a, a good understanding of the scope and where the scope stops and I think that like that can be done with education Because if the client doesn't ask this question, I always make sure to surface this in the early in the early conversations mm-hmm. um, The client should always ask where does this go wrong? And If they don't ask I make sure to say all right, I want to talk about where this goes wrong based on my experience mm-hmm. when we wrap these jobs There's a lot of follow-up things that could be done, and what I want to do is either front-load those or plan for this because I don't want to I don't want to leave you hanging, but I also want to make sure that you understand that like at some point the scope stops, and then after we probably move to more an hourly rate. What however you want to structure that agreement, but making sure that expectations upfront. Yeah.
3: What is kind of like the ratio of work you guys, you know, it sort of enjoy like upfront versus retainer versus, uh, you know.
1: So back in the day, I loved retainers because it was like just a consistent income It was very predictable. Absolutely. Hands down. Retainers are the most conflict ridden contracts out there because it always comes down to the measurement of the work. So the clients are always going to expect a little bit more work than last month. And then you're gonna kind of expect a little bit more money than last month, or mm-hmm. a little bit less work, or even just to keep things the same, you know? Um, and so it's like, what does an hour mean? And if you're if you're charging on a on a retainer basis, something has to, something has to limit that, right? It either has Absolutely. to be hours or deliverables or scope, and that always seems to cause conflicts eventually in the end on a retainer. So with with Blind, we moved exclusively towards project based fees so just one time flat fixed amounts per project that requires a lot of setting of expectation setting because you have to understand where the scope starts and ends and what happens in in between so a lot more
3: planning and then v2 would be the same thing Mm -hmm. repeat yeah okay
1: and we started fielding a lot of uh inquiries for digital jobs like you know, software and all sorts of stuff. Um, there's, there's actually a series on our YouTube channel about how we lost a million dollar job. saw that. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> yeah. It <was> painful. <laughs> um, but that was, that was my first experience with um, trying to price something on sprints, which I'm really mm. curious about, especially in the software and the di- digital yes. world. Because sprints are a way that you can, you can limit the, you can give them a fixed fee but you can break up the payments over time so that it's not such a burden on Precisely. the client. Precisely. But then you can also agree on the scope ahead of each sprint, so you're front-loading the conflict. Yes. yes. And then you're agreeing on the on the scope and deliveries. setting the expectations. Yep. Then delivering every it single through the month section. And then you know.
3: The challenge is always with sprints optimizing for throughput, mm. because oftentimes when front-loading that. There can be technical debt sort of accrued, especially on the tail end, things that weren't foreseen.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Things that run
3: longer than they should have uh, when especially engineers focus on kind of that shorter, that that uh, maybe more pedantically focused uh, sprint, sure. if you will. So yeah, it's just a trade-off.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I forget what book. I think it was Scrum. I think it was the Scrum book where he talks about billing by sprints. And I love the the... Um, kind of sales pitch that he has in there. Right. He's like, "Hey, I think this is going to take twelve sprints. But if at any point during this project you're happy with it, you can cancel, and it's just a twenty percent fee of whatever's left." Oh, which is wonderful Besides. for the client. There's oh, a so podcast. The
0: there's a podcast called Ditching Hourly. Oh, cool. And uh, man, I can't remember the host. I actually think you guys had him on one time uh, at the Future, if I'm mm. not mistaken. But. Uh, he talks about just that as well, adding mm-hmm. that you you have to be smart enough to add that little extra in those sprints just to be able to, you know, and you got to be accurate with it. Sometimes if you know your your work really well, you can gain, get within like 10 percent accuracy rate mm-hmm. of what's going on. But if you're kind of new getting going, he talks about setting 20% extra on top of that uh, just to cover those incidences. But uh, Mm -hmm. it's a really, really effective way to cover your ass, so to speak. (laughs) Um, But to bring, you know, appreciate you diving into the business side a bit, but, you know, we brought you on here to talk about your story because you're a fascinating individual (laughs) to us. So I want to rope it back into, you know, the future and how you got here. Now you're, you're moving on with life. You're doing well. They've you've settled um, another unequivocal factor of success, and this is you know small Ben's opinion, uh, your host Ben, uh, that who you surround yourself with is an enormous factor of success. Oh yeah, so you're you're around some incredible individuals. I mean Chris Doe. I'm also a huge fan of Matthew and Cena. His work is like you said. He's an incredible It's, person, it's almost man. perfect and you just want to punch yourself in the head sometimes. Or him, like, yeah, sometimes. Just, right, ugh. right. And I know you guys that's are so coffee good. nuts too, so that's another thing I like about <laughs> you guys. We are as well. But um, there's, to me, there's no such thing as really self-made. Mm-hmm. I think there's someone in your life that will always help you to get to the next level. Right. Mm-hmm. Jim Rohn, mm-hmm.
1: you are the, the, the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Precisely. 100% believe that. There's an, another concept uh, I'm starting to get into into stoicism and Matthew was talking about this stoicism thing that he read the other day it was like um, stoic there's a stoic author that talks about how you need the plus equal and minuses in your life and I'm gonna butcher this but basically the pluses are people that you aspire to be. the equals are equals that you compete with and then the minuses are the people that you help. Wow, and they were like that is the that is the true path to to kind of self development, um, and you need all three in your life. So I freaking love that. I don't know what has very philosophical. No, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) me neither.
0: But uh, well, can you tell us how you've grown working alongside these teammates you've got uh, with such legendary personas?
1: I think so. When I first joined the company, I had just a crisis of self confidence. Because here I was, like, Theory. I was a, yeah, yeah. But I was, I was, I was a police officer, right? And I had just left the department three years ago. And sure, I had grown a company and hired people and done projects and stuff like that. But nowhere near on the scale that that I had put these guys on. The, the pedestal that I had these guys on was unreal. And so I felt like an imposter. I was totally self-conscious. Very, very um, just complete lack of of confidence so being around these 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 guys and, and like interacting with them on a daily basis I'm, I'm starting to see and i've started to see how much they respect me for the for the reason why i was ashamed it was my background and they're like man you grew something from nothing i don't know that we could have done that you know matthew has a failed business in his history and he's like man i yeah. you you i really respect you for that Right. And so seeing that kind of reflected from people that I admire just incredibly has sent you know, it's kind of like a roller coaster of self-confidence. So Absolutely. like got there and it just took a tank, took a nosedive, and then now working with them after a while, I'm way more self-confident than I've ever been. Um, so there's that. Creative skills-wise, those guys are all beasts. They're <laughs> all incredible designers. They're all incredible motion designers and videographers. So... All of my creative chops have been honed. Absolutely. Um, And then working with Chris on the business. I mean, I feel like I'm a hundred times the business operator than I was back in the day. So it is truly the the sum of the five people that you spend your most time with. (laughs) Absolutely, man.
0: So you guys have now moved into, you know, you're personally co-hosting a very successful series on, you know, you guys's channel the future. Um, you know, building a brand, the Hamilton story, which mm-hmm. was I mean, I won't get into that. You guys can go watch that. I'll link it in the in the description. It's a phenomenal story from both you know the client side, and and you guys did. It's incredible. I mean, you get to see the days day in and day out the the chaos that really goes on behind oh, yeah. the scenes. And yeah. how did you guys realize that showing you know opening your guys's doors, being completely transparent, was invulnerable the way to go for a new series? And uh, did you guys know that it was going to be an instant success because mm-hmm. of that, or were you guys like we're just going for it? And uh, it's open and honest. Yeah, and we had no create idea. create a lot of value.
1: We had yeah. no idea. Um, and, you know, to be honest, like, the idea originated with Chris. Chris was like, let's find a business that we can redo and document the process. And I was like, Chris, I found this, this company. It's like, please let me do this. Please let me run with this. I really want to do this project. So you found Hamilton. Yeah. So, um, you know, he looked at the numbers and he was like, I don't know, man. I was like. I have not asked you for a special project yet, please. So he gave it to me and uh, immediately pulled Matthew on board and we just went to work. But the thing that you don't see in the series is that like that project lasted over a year. Wow. Yeah. Over a year. And it was because the budget for the, for the job was so low that anytime a new job came in, we had to prioritize the new job and we couldn't spend the time working on the Hamilton stuff.
0: Did you set that expectation with them of yeah. time?
3: This is some key insight for our listeners.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that was just one of those things, and you know, we had we had um, kind of like a a crunch for time half the way through the project, which is the the gap between when the logo and the design system was finished, and then when all of the rest of the stuff kind of started. So there was there was a four to five month gap there between the logo being done. And then us working on the website and stuff like that. Right. So that's something you don't really see in the series, which is kind of interesting.
3: The can, like the 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 color of the the liquid itself, and the can, like it all works because you get this like really orange. Almost looks like someone spiked it with a little bit of OJ. Yeah. Uh, But all the colors like they work so well together. It's a it's a unique thing.
1: That's cool. The the crazy thing is that we did this can. Yes. And Josh did this can. Okay. The beauty of this is that Josh oh. used the design system that we built and the color system. The style and guide. The style guide perfectly. Give oh, us oh, some
3: imperfections. Oh. So you're saying because the top.
1: Yeah, so you see the ticket edge here kind of Let's pops see. out Can of the corner there. Can we do this for a-
0: Yeah, you're on there. It's easy. Okay. I,
1: I would just move that kind of sticker looking thing up so it covers that corner. Let's and see. maybe even tilt it a little bit.
0: Josh, get on it, brother. so to circle back in pardon the interruption um you guys take about a year to get this Mm -hmm. series off the ground yeah Uh, you're jumping in and out of other projects that come in um to kind of utilize a discounted you know rate they probably couldn't afford the full rate right Due to the value of you know showing this and this vulnerability, this experience, the the ups and downs that go on both sides, did it meet those expectations or blow past them? Because for me, man, I loved watching every episode. I looked forward to it, you know, just for a little insight for you mm-hmm. guys as a as a viewer, a groupie, if you will. Um, it was it was incredible.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you, and it's really good to hear that because behind the scenes, we kind of look at this as a, as a, as a fail. Interesting. So the content is awesome. It is amazing. The views, not that great. So, so it's not just to keep everyone
3: on their toes. I thought no, that's where you were going with it.
1: No, it's, it's, it's literally like we're looking at this and we're seeing the results and we're like, you know, this series costs, gosh, maybe a quarter million dollars to put together because we're documenting things for a year. We had ten terabytes of footage Whoa. at the end of the year. Ouch. And then Ouch. we had the the four month process of editing and curating a story and crafting this this thing from it, educating along the way and the balance of like how much do we tell them because we're using our products on a day to day basis. Like how much do we educate for free? And then, you know, recommend they, they go buy these frameworks. Um so it's like a lot of effort. Put into this and and to craft something that I love like the content is 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 my favorite content that we have on the channel 100% the results though. If we look at the numbers the amount of money that we pulled in from revenue uh, product sales and sponsorships compared to Chris sitting in front of the camera for 30 minutes and just spitting something It's night and day the ROI just isn't there so we're looking for ways that we can do this obviously in the future we're not going to spend a year doing these these projects of you know and it gets faster as you develop exactly the and flow. the how can we use this to drive the business forward for the future while at the same time not sacrificing the content and the story Absolutely. so that's why we were looking for like do we go to netflix do we sell this as a series mm. to amazon prime can we get more sponsors on a, on a higher level to kind of uh, just at least carry the production costs through.
3: And to your game plan, should you sell this to a subscription, maybe Amazon prime, what have you instantly, immediately it's worthwhile.
1: It could be. We're, We're still in kind of conversations. I, you know, it's like we have something that we've made and we don't know the value of that yet because nobody's like put a, firm bid on it so it's still kind of an experiment but right now we're like do we put that much effort in again do we right so it's behind the scenes there's a lot of turmoil around that series and you have a lot
3: of forthcoming episodes a lot of forthcoming content
1: so on that note uh you know you guys have
0: Almost, I I thought we'd hit six hundred thousand. I say we because I'm like part of the family, (laughs) but it's like five ninety three or four right now. You know, it's like teetering, and I was I was really hoping to say six hundred thousand. So we'll say six hundred thousand (laughs) just because it's incredibly impressive. On the note of you know revenue streams, how do you guys make money uh, utilizing that series? Uh, Do you guys obviously ads? I'm assuming, um, and we'll jump into the web flow. Concept here sure. just a bit of sure. uh, software. You know, we're very intrigued with that. But you know, what are the other revenue streams that you guys get
1: from there? So, eighty-five percent of our revenue comes from courses and kits. So, the future is an education company. Yes, we are actively building and revolutionizing creative education, um, which right I now myself
0: am a user of. And oh, love nice. It. Yes. Yeah.
1: So, like, we're tackling problems like how can we scale critiques because. In a traditional design education, you, as a student, you go in with your work that you've done at home and the professor critiques you and you get this instant feedback to you know, improve your work. So how can we do that at scale? That's kind of the problems that we're looking at solving. Right. And revolutionizing the way that people learn uh, creative and business principles is really where we're focused on. So there's that. Um, that's, like I said, 85% of our revenue comes from that. Then we've got ads on on YouTube, which they're pennies. I don't know how some of these guys are making a living from from YouTube ads but millions and millions of listeners seriously, yeah. but um you know so it's a very very small amount, it's probably two or three percent of our overall revenue okay and then um sponsorships is another big thing, speaking fees um And then things
0: that dwindle after the fact as well, like they see you in the series and they say, Hey, you know, Ben, can you come do a speak, you know,
1: speech with us at our event? Uh, And then you tell them your costs and boom, it's up. So that's kind of like the business, the big picture of the business from the actual series working with Hamilton. Really the only revenue was the revenue that we got for the project itself, the ad revenue. And then we saw a little bit of bump in, um, in like, course and kit sales while the series was active. Um, yeah,
3: surely there must be some cross pollination. People mm-hmm. find you from the, you know, from this and then maybe strike a deal with uh, maybe logo design or some sure. branding.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've had inquiries, but uh, that's one of those areas that we're just, we don't take on client projects yeah. anymore. So okay, we give that to our pro group. So the people who join and get the weekly mentorship from Chris, right. You know, we, Immediately funnel those jobs. That's incredible man. (laughs) That's cool.
3: If you could speak to that for just you know 10 seconds or 15 seconds
1: I mean the the way that we're funneling work to them or yeah. Yeah, I mean it's one of those things where Like I said moving forward 10 years What do we focus on right now? And I said this in the in a live stream a couple days ago the easiest thing in the world would be for us with Chris at the helm and Matthew and Cena and I and Greg the easiest thing in the world would be for us to go get client work so the money is all out there we, you know we could go get that very very simply um, for us we want to prioritize education because you know I don't want people to get hit in the face like I did I don't want people to you know go through the odesk churn and stuff like that so that's really we're, we're really mission focused on that and so when these jobs come in you know, we'll vet them. We'll make sure that they're real things, and then the people that pay for our time on a weekly basis, um, we make sure that we're we're giving them the opportunities to win these jobs. Wow, it's Thank like
3: you know, you know they, they say everyone has a plan until someone gets punched in the face. This could be your plan, and the the cool thing here is you know the cycle that this creates. You know, the inbound work, uh, you guys kind of call the leads. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so you know here here you have like this vic, you know like this victorious cycle. Uh, that, that you're
1: kind of handing off to these people yeah. who need a leg up. Uh, yeah. I think that's incredible. And honestly, when we were taking, you know, because I, I helped run both companies at the same time. 2017 was really our big year for scale and getting everything up and running. And then 2018 was, you know, let's throw gasoline on the fire. Hmm. Um, and so running both companies at the same time, it was amazing to me how many leads came in through YouTube. The oh, quarter million dollar project, the logo that we did, right. um, it, $90,000 single day strategy session, uh, you know, a wow. WordPress website Listen for $300,000. Those all came in through YouTube. YouTube. Wow. So Exposure. the content game really works. So it really does.
0: We're doing the right steps. <laughs> uh, it'll take some time, but... Uh, so back to kind of the story a little bit, uh, I can assume, you know, your team doesn't always see eye to eye. I've heard that uh, you and Chris are in that category sometimes, you know, via the uh, series, if you will. But do you have any crazy or intense uh, Chris Doe stories of, you know, maybe where you guys didn't see eye to eye, messed up on something or where maybe on the reciprocal, he had Mm. to set a client straight.
1: No, I think, uh, I, I think honestly, Chris is the best boss that I've ever had. And this is coming from somebody who like, I, I never thought that I was going to have another boss ever again. Um, I don't
0: mean to put Chris Doe in like a negative light. I'm just, no, no, you know, I, professionally, you know, seriously happen. People mess up. People don't see I. We,
1: we definitely disagree on a lot. And a lot of times it's, you know, his grand vision and me trying to figure out how the hell to execute it. Right. And so that's where the, the conflict between us comes in. Gotcha. And a lot of times I'm, I'm really focused on making sure that we're pulling in revenue. And he's like, we definitely need revenue. But look at the bigger picture, you know. So he's always pulling me back and looking, you know, making sure that I'm looking at things from thirty thousand foot view. But working with him, like on a day to day basis, like I said, best hands down, best boss. I mean, there's no one more supportive and um, helpful, even if it's through critique, uh, that I've ever worked for. The crazy Chris Doe story that I want to that I want to share is this. Uh, Dish it. This there's there's this send it job right. I knew it was a big job. It wasn't going to be in the millions, but it was definitely several hundred thousand dollars worth of work. And I had done tons of research on this company and I was like, okay, we're going to nail this thing. And, uh, you know, the company was a very complex B2B telecom software thing. I mean, I I still, to this day, don't even really understand it. And, uh, so we sit down and I'm like, Chris, all right, I've prepared a brief. This is the final sales call. Their CEO wants to meet our CEO, so let's, you know, everybody sit down let me brief you on the company and, and I'll tell you exactly what they do and give you some insights so you have some context. He was like, Don't worry about it. I was like, What? He's like, No, 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 I don't I don't need to do that. Like, what'd you do this weekend? I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. This is 400000 dollars worth of work. We need to, we need to prep for this. And he's like, I'm good, man. And so we get on the call and the call's going well, like, you know, CEO meeting CEO. Kind of like you know two alpha males meeting Apex and predators. yeah, kind of size comparing or you know that kind of thing, <laughs> yeah, I gotcha, and then uh male parts comparing, yeah, the CEO goes, um, so Chris, do you understand what we do, and Chris was like, no, not at all, and alarm bells in my head were going, oh my God, and the CEO like took a beat and he was like. <laughs> He laughed. He's like, I like your honesty. Wow. And that was it. That was the whole call. And you guys get the job? We got the job. Oh
0: my God.
1: True story. True story. Chris can see the future. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? I was like, in that moment, I was cursing him out in my head. I was like, what the hell are you doing? This
0: guy's a genius.
1: Yeah. He was like, no, I don't. You know, my team runs most of these projects. If you had to sum it up, what would it be? And the CEO was just like, "I love how honest you are." Yeah.
0: Oh my god. Good for you, Chris Doe. Uh, uh, so that was, that was a little that. bit of a
1: stressful moment Whoa, there. Man. But he, you know, he wrote an entire blog article about why saying "I don't know" is, you know, one of the biggest things that you can do to to lead that leads to self confidence. Yeah, we'll have to.
0: Ri- we'll write that in the show notes. Yeah. I uh, I do that naturally. <laughs> always yeah. really quick to admit if I don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah, and oftentimes
3: we're, we're men of research here. We do, we do, we do quite yeah, a bit. Sure. You,
0: can't, you can't know everything, so... Uh, yeah, you know, um, we try. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, actually, you know, he's been quoted saying, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. Mm-hmm. Telling a story through art and design, uh, aesthetic subtlety is a very important aspect of business, and you guys do a tremendous job of that. Um, but it's also... The reciprocal is balancing, you know, the other main objective, which is making money. Do you find it hard to do that? Or is it because he's such a good leader, trusts what you do, uh, that you're able to do your job really well and almost seamlessly?
1: So the the question is really was like, does making money conflict with our overall mission or the way that we... Being a
0: creative agency. Okay. Hmm. Because I feel like, you know... You know, we're a small fraction of a creative agency. We do have a a creative team. You know, they have a different mentality. They love to just create and put their souls into things, but they don't quite necessarily always think about the bigger picture of the business. You know, how do you become more profitable? How do you get those bigger clients, Mm etc.? You know, you are managing the revenue portion of the future, Mm -hmm. correct? So is there a conflict trying to get them to... Uh, Understand that
1: no, I I think when we talk about creativity because we've run blind for so long and Chris has been kind of running blind for 25 years um, I Think that there's a good handle on Measuring creativity against revenue and he's really good like he says all the time Listen guys creatives will take all the time that they're given so if you give them three weeks to do something, they're going to take three weeks to do something. They're not going to get it done and stop. They're always going to be tweaking. So, gotcha. you know, his recommendation is like shorten those times, make sure that they're, you know, that they know that they have a tight deadline and, you know, maximize profitability. But the future is a different problem. The future is, it's less about creativity getting in the way. It's, it's more about um, if, if Chris could, he would give everything away for free. He literally wants to to just revolutionize the way that people learn about creative skills and then creative business. And so that mentality and that mission, sometimes prioritizing that always kind of puts pulling in revenue as a lower priority. And he says this all the time. He's like, you know, because he's been in business for so long. He's got so many buildings in Santa Monica. He's like, I could probably make more money just being a landlord if we just moved out of the space. Right. So the money thing, it's a it's a high priority for him. He's always thinking about it, but it's less of a priority than the mission, and that's where the conflict comes in. It's like, all right, how do we how do we do both? Because in my mind, I'm trying to make sure that these doors stay open the next month, right? And it's right. okay. We want to hire five more guys. Let's do that. Um, how are we going to pay for them? You know, so it's like
3: so the engineering front here at Dimension Software, we kind of have the similar issue right we contribute a ton to open source we have a lot of open source projects we've had a lot of popular open source projects Mm you know we love to give away knowledge for free Uh, you know then how how do we how do we make a business around that right right it's always it certainly creates a lot of recognition right people love us for a lot of our open source works you know but 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 how do we so so i love that thought you know maybe we can riff off that a little bit. Uh, we don't own a ton of buildings around Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, if we yet. did. Maybe we could be landlords, <laughs> and then we could do more open source. Uh, so th- this is always, it, you know, it's always that like uh, that that push and pull.
0: Yeah. And being in, you know, on that topic, being a software engineer and design firm here, uh, it's really cool what you guys are doing now with the new series mm-hmm. you guys are doing, and how reshaping the website and can you walk us through that process mm-hmm. i mean you've been quoted on the the i believe it was the first episode saying the website sucks we need a <laughs> new website <laughs> so <laughs> we love it sir. and being a web savvy guy and understanding yeah. you know code languages and, and the implementation of you know getting <laughs> design to code isn't exactly eye to eye yeah can you just walk us through what was the reasoning behind that and kind of where you guys are right now with it
1: yeah so when i joined the, when I joined the future. There was a single product, and it was being sold on Shopify. And in those days, you know, to do what Chris wanted to do on Shopify would have been really expensive. The amount of plugins that we would have to buy, the monthly subscription, right. it would have, it would have, we would have lost money on the website basically because we just didn't have the products to support it. A real pain. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? Let's just let's just get off Shopify because he wanted a blog, he wanted to sell subscriptions, he wanted to sell bundles, he wanted to sell physical products like. I was like, let's get off Shopify, let's start a WordPress website, use WooCommerce, and we'll just stand something up real quick. So I stood this thing up in like three weeks. I bought a theme from Theme Good Forest. For you, man. Freaking got wow. it up, you know, bought the cheap WooCommerce plugins to do what he needed yeah. to do. And that was it. And so that was just our website for years. And I you know, this was something that's just like, Hey, let's get it up so that we can do other things. Right. And I knew that, you know, things were starting to break two years a two-year-old stock theme off the shelf is just going to crumble it's going to (laughs) yeah so here we were with this website that just didn't work we were using we're using teachable to serve our educational content okay so there was now the login for the woocommerce website that the users could do and then there was the login for teachable that they could do and there's just a lot of confusion Mm. so that that's that's the reason why it sucked and What sucks even more is that we don't have a developer in-house. We don't have engineers or anything like that. We're just a group of designers. And I wanted to do a lot more experimentation. I wanted to do split testing and kind of like move our product pages around and things like that. And we couldn't do that without hiring an engineer. Mm. Like the product pages that we have right now, I hand coded because Teachable literally gives you like a space for HTML. Awesome. Yeah, so it's like, let me just hand code those, but it took forever and making small changes would take hours. So we were looking for a solution that we could just get in there and make the changes and publish it. Mm -hmm. And from my days building websites for clients, it was like the WYSIWYG stuff back in the day, just was horrible, it sucked. Oh my God. I mean, like Visual Composer for WordPress was like the best thing that hit the shelves back in those days. And it was, you couldn't even see what you were doing. You'd have to move the blocks, hit publish, look at the front end of the site, confirm. There's no previews. 20 pixels off, go back to the back end, move it again. Oh, so it's man. like, you know, these things were, were horrible. The iterations were much longer. Yeah. So when Webflow came into our lives, that was just like, man, if this works, it's gonna be amazing. So the first thing I did was like, I went home and built my own site. I was just like, let me throw up a, a quick landing page. And is that the one that it is now? Yeah, Yeah. it's still Which there. It's cool. It's still I, there. Yeah, that's a cool I was set, like, man. Let, me, let me play around with like actual dynamic text resizing and see if this thing, I'm going to push this thing to its limits.
0: Transitions and animations, et cetera. That
1: kind of stuff. So I did that and I was like, guys, I just built this website in two days. We should do this. And so we started looking into the more advanced features and functionality and finally decided to just rebuild the whole thing in Webflow. So that's been a process.
3: (laughs) (laughs) How can you compare Webflow to say, You know, Squarespace or or any of the, a lot of off the shelf.
1: Uh, You know, honestly, it's been years since I've used Squarespace or Wix. Matthew uses Squarespace for his website and he's kind of dabbled in Webflow a little bit. And he's like, the flexibility is night and day. Yeah. Webflow is programmable, right? Yeah. Much more so. Yeah. Hmm. And you can, I mean, you're... It's it's visual coding is really what it is. It's what Dreamweaver back in the day really mm-hmm. aspired yeah, to love, be. Right? Love it you know? as an engineer. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a designer can go in and create the front end, but in doing so, they have to understand CSS. They have to understand basic HTML because you're working with div and mm-hmm. paddings and margins and stuff like that. So you actually have to know a little bit about how websites are built. The box model, right? You know. So I think it's a great tool not only for to get in there and you know publish things really quickly, but also so that designers can actually learn some front end in the process. So That's awesome, that was cool,
0: man. Um, Yeah, you guys must really trust Webflow with so much on the line, you know, because <laughs> visually and you know uh, actually functionally, a website could theoretically make or break a business. Of course, you know, especially with such a huge agency transitioning from WordPress now to Webflow. How was that transition? Was it pretty smooth? Did you guys like it Uh, or were there some problems that you had to work out?
1: Yeah, so um, we documented the process. It's a new series on the YouTube channel. But what we didn't cover in the series is the last four weeks. Okay. So we had this meeting where, uh, so Greg was running with the new site and Greg, for some reason, didn't show Chris the design before we moved it into Webflow. We still don't really know why, but when Chris looked at the fully developed site in Webflow, he was like, uh eh, guys, I don't I think we missed the mark a little bit. So four weeks ago, Greg like, you know, threw a noose over my neck and pulled me into the project. Right. And he was like, Okay, we're gonna we gotta we gotta redo this. So we redid the entire site. There's two hundred fifty pages. Redid the entire site in the past four weeks. Oh my
0: goodness, my Whoa. man.
1: And what you How see many online, guys you got working on that. This is the crazy thing. So the webflow's one limitation. No, yeah. Web, yeah, right. <laughs> webflow's one limitation is that only one person can be in the designer at a time. No. Mm. So that is Ouch. a major, major flaw. So we literally had one guy at a time. We were taking shifts, like afternoon and morning shifts. Yeah. Taking watch, right? Yeah, pretty much. And just combing through and, and beating this thing to man. death. So but the fact is, is that we got oh, two hundred fifty pages up in four weeks, so it's like, you know, it's pretty amazing Still what we were able pace. to do. Yeah, wow. So, um, the process was, uh, you know, once I had two more people that knew how to use it, it was really, really simple. Um, the The biggest kind of conflict in the process came from like clashing classes. Or creating a CSS class that was only used one time versus making sure that we're using the same classes over and over again. Yeah. Um, so that was a little bit of like the back end stuff that we were. There's some good automated,
3: like kind of automated tools that, that can discern some of these things and and maybe offer, uh, you know, whether it's like a efficiency sort of mm. improvements and or do them automatically. Yeah. I, I don't know how they work with Webflow. Maybe they don't. Uh, but.
0: Well, yeah,
1: I'd, I'd be willing to check it out um
0: we can talk you know we'll we'll keep in contact whatever we can send you some stuff via email or whatever (laughs) just if we if we come across anything that might work well like hey man try this out because it might be a little more effective yeah
1: yeah and i think like the the mad rush was like we needed to get this thing up so that we could start iterating on it because you know we started the our website project in february it had been seven months and it was like all right we just got to we gotta get something out so we can start yeah. making tweaks. We know the feeling. Yeah. So it's like, I when we published the site last week, we got a lot of backlash from the audience. Interesting. The audience were like, "Man, I'm so disappointed with the way that you guys ran this project." And you know, because hmm. the series kind of focuses more on the conflict, like the drama in between the the members of the team than the actual process. So I think focusing on the drama kind of opened up the doors to a lot of criticism. Gotcha. And so the, the, the silver lining of this is that we have 600,000 bug checkers warriors. that are <laughs> on us. And they're like, hey, guys, your, your, your headings aren't hierarchical on this page. Like, cool, thanks. We would have paid 40 bucks a month for a checker to do that. Of course. But
3: <laughs> would you Webflow again?
1: Oh, yeah yeah okay yeah Yeah, absolutely i think that i think that webflow is is, and i'm not paid to say this by any means but i really think that webflow and and platforms like it are the future of the web um they just got to fix that single user thing (laughs) yeah another
0: another tool uh that we like that's kind of in line with the future of um Designing websites, implementing even mobile and tablet, etc., is a tool we like called Famous. And actually, we mm. don't just we don't just like we love Famous. Uh, we actually have the CEO of Famous coming on in two weeks. Oh, killer! Um, and it, I'll send you a link to the tool, man. It might be another way for you guys to one speed up iterations, mm-hmm. the design process, implementation. Um, but it's also very sexy. And I think you guys will be mm. able to maximize its capacity uh, very easily. So uh, Famous is a website. Yeah. I'll send you yeah. a link. But We're
3: excited to finally get to this segment, actually, because I feel like you guys could take Famous.co as a platform, blast it out of the park. Yeah, Really? It's um, already sexy. I feel so. like you guys could just take it that even next step
0: up. We built, actually, just to kind of go off of it, so this QR code... Um, links to our famous mobile, and we have like a magic link that uh, recognizes if you're on a hey, phone. Does this work? <laughs> yeah. Other no, side. Don't do it. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so it links it to it, and it is a sexy little process. I mean, you can try it after this if you want. And, yeah, I it um, And it's really cool, man. We've gotten a lot of compliments on it. People asking, how, where the heck is this? They haven't quite launched yet, they launched this month. But uh, we got to do some beta testing. You right would now. love it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah I'll check it is, out. This is right up uh, for sure. I'll check it out. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, we get a lot. Like, we, we have engineers on our channel that watch the, the channel. And we get a lot of negative. Something. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we get a lot of negative feedback from these guys because I, th- I feel like they're threatened by these probably. tools that are, that are coming in to take their business mm, and probably. stuff like that. Mm. Do you guys feel the same way?
0: Y- yes and no. Uh, It has to do, I believe, with the person, the individual, like us. We totally could be, you know, oh my God, it's not native, it's not, it's not the best, right? But you've got to think about it from a business standpoint, man. Uh, And it's exactly everything you've been hitting on: is that one, what's the timeline looking like? What is the person willing to invest into this? Um, All of these things. So while its capacity is limited. Whereas Native, which is custom, again, for all you non-nerdy types, is you have the world, the sun and the stars to be able to do anything you'd like. But what's the scope of the project? How do you get there quickest? And how do you make them happy? Uh, those tools are amazing. So for us, when we have, we're have, we able to help somebody uh, get something done that maybe doesn't have these large projects, mm-hmm. we work with smaller and medium-sized businesses we do have some larger contracts but uh you know we're, we're a group of 10 guys so um but we do a really good job at it and those tools we utilize to the utmost capacity yeah, they, they
3: let us do a lot more with less yes. uh, so yeah. actually I, th- I think we love them and then we have naturally the you know being an engineering firm the expertise to come in and dial up whatever needs to be right so if we're using webflow uh, which we'd love to check out uh, we actually use a ton of famous and the cool thing is we're able to like okay well they haven't got this Quite transition, or let's say we want to transition to something, but we want to embed
0: a media player in here. Exactly. We want to iframe
3: something in, or whatever it yeah, is. We, or ha- maybe...
0: we hack whatever the box is. and yeah. we're able that's to like cool. push the limits a little yeah. bit yeah. more. But
3: so, so for us, it, you know,
1: it's game changing because we can do so much more with less. Yeah, and we can charge the client less. That's that's one of the messages that I always send out to those people. And the other thing is like, if somebody's going to go because they're they're scared of the clients going to Webflow and buying doing a subscription themselves. doing it themselves, and... I'm like, dude. You would not want those clients anyways. Exactly. It's like Odesk. It's like Fiverr. Oh my Who God. wants to work with Fiverr Let them, clients? Man. Let them have the $5 yes. yeah. logos. Let
3: them get that experience themselves. Because because they'll come
0: to you running saying,
3: <laughs> This isn't working. Rescue me. Or, I get that. or when they need something a <laughs> That's little our special. Niche. When they need something that. a little special. You know, hey, I, I love what this did here. Uh, if it worked this way, or let's say it integrated with my already thing that exists. Right. You know?
1: Right. Yeah.
0: For That's sure, interesting. Man. Uh, But yeah, so from a, a simple answer is I think you've got to be able to see the bigger picture and those tools are much easier to use. So if you can, <laughs> yeah. if you can get the job done pretty much the same, by all means, utilize them. Because yeah. nobody's going to make them as sexy as you, know, you can or we can um, from whatever standpoint and, and project it is. But um, sure, if they can do it themselves, why not? Yeah. Exactly. And these
3: tools are the future. It is where everything is driving. Yeah. Uh, unquestionably.
1: It just saves the sexy work for you guys. That's right. That's it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> we, we do our best. Yeah. Huh? We try.
0: But man, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you coming on. Uh, can you give a last bit of advice for some of those young entrepreneurs, designers, creatives? Um, there seems to be a little bit of a dichotomy here um, from some research and, and being kind of creative myself growing up drawing and. You know, sometimes I can be a little sensitive and uh, we put our heart and souls into certain projects. Um, But with this comes a lot of sensitivity towards having, you know, hard time separating criticism and feeling that, you know, our characters being, or my character sometimes is like being attacked. You have to learn to be able to, you know, separate those feelings from what's actually happening. Are they trying to help you versus are they attacking you? Being a leader in the space, what would you say to those new creatives coming up Um, trying to make it to the to the big jump to the big leagues as you did with you know the future
1: yeah i would just i want people i want people to stop preparing because i feel like as as a culture we're stuck in so many ways and i think a lot of it has to do with permission almost it's like if you want to go start a business the best way to do that is just to go start a business right You're not going to have this roadmap laid out in front of you. If you want to go and be a designer, then do what a designer does and open the program and design. Like I would, if I can encourage people not to go to school and not to spend so much time and effort on this, whatever, whatever roadblock that they, that they think they're facing between them and their, their goal. That's, that's my entire mission in life. It's like, don't wait, just get enough to move. And go because that's pretty much what I've done it's like I get enough of a parachute to jump and then I'm, I'm out the door right and that's really how you make those massive le- moves forward um, so that's kind of my advice is just like go for it stop waiting stop preparing learn enough and then go do stop ask- don't be afraid
0: to fail yeah. stop asking permission
1: yeah awesome, Here, I'll man. tell you what permission granted for everybody out there, <laughs> yeah. everybody out there you have right. my permission to, <laughs> to follow your dream. How about that? That's beautiful. Oh, man. So Sage advice.
0: <laughs> let our listeners know you got this camera, this camera. Let them know what's coming up next for the future, for you, where they can find you, your handles. Yeah. So I'm number. everywhere.
1: Mr. Ben Burns, except for Twitter, Mr. Ben Burns underscore. You re- you should report that guy, though. For real um we will. But <laughs> we honestly will. visit visit the future everywhere it's uh it's the future is here on youtube um, especially if you're in the creative sphere and you want to learn business and creative skills
0: a top 10 beard of all time a creative guru and the future hall of famer i'm trademarking that by the way <laughs> he's the father of the year his first name is legendary the future is safe that's number two because of you sir he heard the call took action thank you Mr. Ben Birds, for coming on our show love to have you back thanks guys in the near future I did it again three for three <laughs> we're super stoked to take this podcast journey with y'all you're going to love our guests and their stories and you can check us out on our website dimensionsoftware.com and connect with us on our LinkedIn at dimensionsoftware hit us up even if it's just to say what's up All of this will be on our show notes at the end of each episode. And smash that subscribe button if you find our content useful. Again, I'm your host, Ben, and this is Call to Action Podcast. Command Q.
2: And this is Keith. Have a kick-ass day.